Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 57 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined as always by the beautiful Sean Sheehan. We'll get it out of the way, we'll get the housekeeping in there, because I've got a little, uh, this is a, a different endorsement, Sean, this week on BeanieBasher.com. I've, I've, I've got an issue with our, our good friends. Oh. When they what? say hand-eye coordination, do they mean bringing your hand to your eye after the ball has hit you in the face due to poor striking technique? Um, explain. It's happened to me quite a bit. I, I've got my Beanie Bashers. Oh, have you? Oh, I have. I, I, can, I, can, I can stand by it. Very yeah. addictive. Very fun. And, I can, and I've given it to people who can actually strike, and they think it's brilliant because they can actually do it. But for me, I get about three or four tiny little rabbit, rabbit punches, wind up a big one, and it goes flying forward and comes straight back into my face. You know what Andrew? Practice makes perfect. I've got the head movement of Rampage Jackson, a prime Rampage Jackson. I actually saw on, I think it was Kiefer Crosby's Snapchat, someone using one. So there's people, I think in SBG, so there's people there using them as well, so they can't be all that bad. Oh no, it's just me. It's I, just you. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that like, when given to a person who can strike and use something like that, it's quite effective. When given mm-hmm. to me, no. Put yourself in the face. Yeah, and the, the cord always just swings around me. Like multiple times, so <laughs> I I will uh, once I sharpen my technique. I'm going to bring it to Vegas. So once uh, once I sharpen my technique, we might record a little uh, a little video out there. If you're enthralled by this, go check it out. You see it at the start of every single one of our severe MMA YouTube videos now as well, demonstrated by people who can actually strike. BeanieBasher.com. It is a fun, addictive hand-eye coordination tool. It's only ten pounds. Uh, they'll ship worldwide. We've had a couple of people asking, and I believe we've even had a couple of people ordering from the states as well um, so head on over beaniebasher.com great friends here with Severe MMA and um, yeah anything else Sean have I forgot anything beaniebasher.com Be- oh beaniebasher.com in case you didn't hear us yeah. beaniebasher.com now not much has happened Sean since last week really uh, not much fact, no, really. Not just a bit of crack just yeah we were discussing off air there probably the most underrated snack Were we? I, I forget. Chocolate I rice cakes. Oh, chocolate rice cakes. Oh, yes. Jesus. Big fan I literally of forgot that in about 90 seconds. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. chocolate rice cakes are the Krav Maga of food. Yeah. Do you, there, do you, see, do you see where I'm going? I'm not saying see, it's yeah. dangerous in a highly armed, in a street fight. They, they kind of have a bad reputation, but they're not all that bad. Oh, no. So, I was going completely south with that. Oh, were you? Yeah. So there's some good things in it. Yeah. So the taste, and yeah. maybe in Krav Maga there's some good things in it, but it's pretty much just disguised shit, because they're trying to yeah. trick you into eating chocolate because it's on a rice cake, the same way by doing Krav Maga people think they will be able to defend themselves from street attackers. And I don't mean doing it consistently for a couple of years, I mean sign up to this weekend course and you'll never get attacked again. It's like, no yeah. thanks. I wonder they teach you, like, in Krav Maga... I wonder if they like get lads to run after you with bottles and try to stab you and so. Well, they should. Why yeah. wouldn't they? 
because it, they're, they're claiming to be able to protect you from this. Let's do a couple of live drills then, lads. Yeah. Smash your bottles and chase the other person <laughs> around the industrial estate that you're doing it in. Bring in a junkie and try to knife you. Exactly. Yeah. Outdoor survival course weekend. Dublin. Look, you have to stay safe in the streets. Like, Should we start a, Krav, a severe Krav Maga website? Well, look, brilliant. I already have the self-defense aspect of Severe wrapped up, really, I suppose, with Krav McGahan, which is going to be Krav launching Gahan. officially later on this year. Mm-hmm. But um, until then, I think we should just keep it under wraps, not tell anyone. Yeah, yeah keep it under down low. Mm-hmm. It's not like a podcast that gets thousands of listeners is the place to reveal a top secret information. No. Imagine this, though. If you started a Krav Maga fighting organization, right, and you had all the fights in, like, WWE street fights go around the arena and they fight like up and down the arena and the cameras follow them and they I can use like matches. bins and stuff yeah be brilliant wouldn't it here's so you've kind of brought up my next topic uh, quite well there yeah guess what's coming to Ireland I don't know tell me well it's just a, an Irish promotion I believe yeah but oh the cage was it the cage yes, uh, ring the, thing the ring cage I like that I don't you not? Why not? Like, it, it discredits a lot of guys' records, I think. Why? Still let's, a fight. Let's say Peter Queeley took a fight there. Yeah. And knocked two people out before he got into the UFC. And people went and saw the footage, and he's fighting in a ring with Cage yeah. at the bottom of it. Kind of discredits it. What? You know, wait, what? Wait, that's like saying... Nogueira and Fedor's wins in, in um, Pride didn't count. Yeah, but Pride's a massive organisation. Well, 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 it's just in a cage. What's the difference? It's no, in a fight. Pride was a massive organisation with a reputation for having the biggest and best fighters and some of the most exciting fights in it. This yeah. is a couple of cowboys, Ted. No, I think you're talking bullshit. It's just a cage. It's not a cage. It's a ring. But it's a, yeah, but it, it's, it's a ring better. with a cage at the bottom. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's better than a ring because the little cage thing at the bottom stops lads from falling out. Yet you still have the good aspects of the ring. Like it's better for people to watch it, and you know it's a lot different. But I don't think it's necessarily bad. Like I think a ring by itself is terrible, but I think a ring with a little bit of cage at the bottom is actually the best thing. Apart from like obviously the cage is the best. I think, but I think apart from having a cage, I think that's the best thing you can have. I, I definitely don't, don't think it discredits with the wins. I think the wins are just as good. You know, everyone can afford to have a cage or, you know, not everyone can have a cage and I think uh, a fight's a fight. Sure, if they both agree to the rules, to, it counts. It's nothing to do with them maybe not being able to afford a cage. I'd say it's them wanting just, like, they're a step away from building a fucking moat around the ring and doing M1 night fights. M1 night fights, suit of armors. Oh, come on. Have you ever been into to... the cage. You're the man who fucking loves these GA Hall shows and stuff. Have you exactly. ever been to a ring with, no, with, a, with, a, with a ring in it? No? Don't get me wrong. I think it, it, it could make for entertaining MMA, especially when guys can't really get pushed up against a, a cage that they'd be able to just bounce off ropes and get in and out a lot, uh, move away a lot easier. But at the same time, it's not something that I think any reputable gym in the country will put a fighter forward for. What? What are you talking about? Did they not all Unless it's amateur. Did they not have fights in rings, huh? MMA fights in rings? Yeah. No Conor McGregor no. and MMA fight in a ring. Yeah, but that was back when no one was doing MMA fights in cages. Conor McGregor's, I think maybe his first uh, or second um, fight, pro fight, was in a ring. Barry Ogilvy's fight before Christmas. 
there about fucking three weeks ago. Franz Milan bought a fight in the ring. In China? Yeah, so what? Yeah. And do you think that promotion that promotion wasn't viewed in the highest regard from people that were watching it? I, you know, what about Dream? You're by Crown Gracie, or not Dream, what's it called? Rising. Fedor and all them, they had fights in a, in a Set ring. Set up by the guys that own Pride and just want yeah, to kind of continue but their thing. I don't know, Pride what's your problem with a ring? Like? I know a ring isn't great. It, but unified mixed think. martial arts shouldn't be taking place in a ring. The same way people criticise the French fighters for having pro, uh, pro MMA wins on the record, uh, despite no, the fights taking same. place in France. It's completely no, the same. No, I agree with you that a cage is better. Like, I think it should be a cage... Wherever you can get a cage, have a cage. If you want a fight to go on to your universal mixed martial arts record, then it has to take place in a cage. So Fedor is like 2-5 and or something on his record, is he? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. (laughs) No. I I can see... My opinion is now. It needs to take place now in a cage. No. I disagree. I think a fight to fight. If you agree to the rules, if you know it's going to be on in the ring. That's in like saying a pro MMA fight can be had in the street as long as you agree to it. No, it's not. It's an enclosed area. Like it's in the unified rules that no, it can there, be in it a. It would be a... enclosed. You'd grab a few bins. <laughs> You'd make a ring. It's in the unified rules, and that's all that matters. I win. How dare you? How dare you? Do you know what's weird that we actually talked about MMA at the start of a podcast? And not something else. We got it from Krav Maga to MMA. That's yeah, we weird. better change that actually. Yeah. Go on. You you had something else to bring up, so go on. You did. What was it? But about a certain um... Oh, about a certain individual. <laughs> so let me set the scene for you, ladies and gentlemen. What? This <laughs> charlatan <laughs> who calls himself my co host <laughs> snuck off during the night. Like a bat out of hell. And made a like page for himself on Facebook. Yeah. Facebook.com forward slash Sean Sheehan MMA. Give it a like. I don't know what to say, folks. Why not? It's brilliant. How is it brilliant? Why not? I can share That's, additional content. Look, on Facebook. I'm the most arrogant man you know, and I wouldn't even <laughs> yeah. make a Facebook like page. You were threatening it for long enough now. Come on, you were talking about it. I was saying it'd be handier to have a like yeah. page. Because That's I'm, not gonna lie, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to lie, I can see where you're coming from. It is uncomfortable to have, uh, may, no, I don't want to say uncomfortable to have strangers adding you on Facebook, but when they can then go look at all your old profile pictures, that's when it yeah. starts, from when they didn't know you, that's a little bit uncomfortable. Now, of course, I've just given that away on the podcast, so everybody is going to look at my <laughs> 2008 profile pictures now, so yeah. I'm going to have to somehow try change the security on that, or... Failing that, set up a like page. <laughs> yeah. I think a big thing as well is I'm annoying a lot of people who I was friends with before I started posting MMA shit as well. And like they're like, why is this dickhead keep posting five previews and stuff like and nobody wants to see that. So like it's half and half. So I you might as well just make a page, then all the MMA people can go and like that and then I'd put up and I'm putting up more stuff now as well. And also a big thing is Periscope is shit. And my Periscope has kind of taken off in the last while. And there was like 2,000 people watching it the last time. So now I'd be able to do videos on YouTube instead. and Or on um, oh, Facebook Live. Facebook instead. Yeah, so it'll actually work and people will actually be able to ask questions and stuff. So that'll be better. But yeah, but you, have to, you have to take these things to the next level, Andrew. Do you know? You've you saved yourself. You've saved yeah. yourself with the Facebook Live comment. I'm not going to lie. 
It's okay. You Good. bastard. I realise how much of a freak I am for starting to like bitch. Like, I do realise that. But uh, it had to be done. It had to change be. your bio. For bookings slash contact, <laughs> email andrewmcgahan1 uh, at gmail.com. You just give out your email. Everyone's going to be emailing you. Yeah. I think my, no one will be emailing me. Nobody emails me. <laughs> no. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I don't even know why I got annoyed, but my mum uh, asked for my email address today, so I give it to her. And all yeah. she did was forward me a picture of my sister that she thought was nice. And I was like, why did you send me that? She's like, do you not think it's nice? But since old people don't know how to use the internet, it was a forwarded message of a message chain that she had sent to my auntie, my uncle, my brother, and then on to me afterwards. And then she said, like, oh, I'll send you the other ones. I'm like, no, don't. And part of me was thinking, like, I don't want that to be clogging up my email. But before that, the last couple of uh, emails have been WordPress, severe MMA password forgotten. Yeah. I all the email, well I get a good few emails now from different MMA things but I get a lot from I'm an admin on the severe MMA page and stuff and I get every time someone comments I get an email and so like if there's a big boss and there's a lot of comments I get a fucking shitload of emails most of my emails are from like the UFC and like if Brad Brad Wharton is, is it FC, FCC it is isn't it yeah, yeah he sends the best emails his uh, press releases are hilarious Bellator actually stops sending me emails why I don't know. Maybe you. Uh, maybe you're on the radar. Maybe you're on the yeah. list. The shit maybe. list. Uh, that kind of that kind of makes me happy though. I don't. I don't know. You should. <laughs> I didn't say anything that bad about Bellator. Uh, actually, though, like four people told me this week that they enjoyed my Bellator rant. It's like, did I go on that much of a rant? What did I say? Yeah. I can't even remember. I'd have to I go back. To this. I, I blacked out. It was a stream of conscious <laughs> thought for twenty minutes. I have no idea what happened to me. I was just like, da da. Fuck you, Dada. The, like, um, oh, what was I going to say to you there? One final thing on the on the like topic, but I can't remember it. I think you've dodged it. I think you've dodged oh, the bullet. Oh, that God. reminds me. Remember last week? I forgot something. Yes. Can I say it now? Yes, of course. <coughs> Here it is. Here's a point on on Bellator again. I'm going to. Oh my God. <laughs> here, I'm away for a cup of tea. I'll be back here in five right, minutes. You should be done okay. by then. Give only about two seconds. Bellator, you know, people saying, oh, this Bellator thing is bad, but aren't the UFC doing CM Punk? Aren't they giving CM Punk a fight? It's absolute apples and oranges. Like, Data 5000 came in there. He had a fucking lick of training. He came in looking like me and fucking was just terrible. Couldn't draw a bunch. At least CM Punk has gone away. He's had 18 months training with one of the best gyms in the world. You know, wrestling with Ben Askren, striking with, with, um, Anthony Pettis training under Duke Rufus. He's had uh, apparently he's had a lot of fights in the gym itself, kind of ama- whatever you want to call them, not amateur fights but per se. Most of them, yeah. But still, at least he's trying. Like I don't look if some if he comes out and loses five fights in a row, fair enough. Like not everyone's gonna you know not everyone's gonna win, but at least he's doing it right. At least he's trying. These guys like Kimbo. Oh, oh, someone was on it. I think it was Rampage on the MMA last week. He just said Kimbo obviously didn't give a shit about the fight. He didn't train for a second. Dada obviously didn't train. Like I, I think we can all agree on that. He couldn't even hit a hit a pad like so. Whatever you say about CM Punk, at least CM Punk is trying. They're, he's trying to do it the right way. They're giving him a genuine opponent. Like I think we all agree that Mickey Gall is like a real fighter. He's you know he's young and he's inexperienced and everything. But he's the same. This is, you know, these are two guys who are actually trying to be fighters fighting, whereas uh, Bellator is just a fucking side job. So there you go. 
that's my rant on that over for this week. Ah, just back there with my nice. Uh, do you enjoy that seat? Yeah, yeah, yeah look. What, what way do you take your tea, actually? I think we've had this discussion before. Have we? I, yeah. I definitely think so. The proper way. A spoonful of sugar, maybe yeah. half a spoonful of sugar, and a drop of milk. And a, str- a nice strong cup. I'm not the I type of person that takes a, a pinch of tea with their cup of hot milk. That's, that'd be me now. Oh. I put in the tea bag, water, take it straight out. Then no, you need the, the tea milk. bag needs to Two sink. Sugars. Needs to float. Needs to be pressed, pressed up against the side with the back end of a spoon. Maybe, like, but I wouldn't be leaving it in there for more than five seconds. You oh, know, you're crazy. I don't brew my tea. I just, you know. You're a madman. I am a fairness. I do enjoy, actually, uh, there's a nice coffee shop in Dublin that you get, like, tea leaves and they put it in a fancy strainer in your <laughs> glass and then it comes to you with the strainer still in it so you just take that out whenever it's reached the uh, the desired thickness or st- strength. Yeah, the desired yeah. strength. I always, You can get, like, mad berry teas and stuff like that. It's beautiful. I've never had any of that stuff, no. no oh, I, I remembered exactly what I was going to say to you. Go on. Um, because I, it just left my mind entirely. It was when you were talking about Data 5000 and you said he didn't have a lick of training in him. That's mm-hmm. probably one of my new favorite analogies in terms of training. Like using lick as, yeah, a, as, a, as a measurement. Something completely away from what it's actually used for. So a lick of paint, yeah. That'll, yeah. that'll be good. But a lick of training. I don't know if I can get behind that. That's a, you know that's a Southwest or anything, is it? No, no, I love that. Do you know where I got it from? I got it from Chael Sonnen when he was talking about Brock Lesnar. He said he couldn't wrestle a lick. And I love that. Ever since that, I started using it. What does he mean? A cow lick? What? Like a cow lick in your hair. No, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. No, he couldn't I... wrestle a lick. He can't wrestle at all. Like he said, he was oh, talking about Brock no, Lesnar. I wouldn't, got, I wouldn't have read that at all. I wouldn't have said, I, he, I just would have said he can't wrestle at all. No, it's like he was talking about Brock Lesnar just being strong and we won all his matches being strong that he had no technique so he, he couldn't wrestle a lick it's like he can't strike a lick so what you're saying now Sean There's is that I've exposed you you steal from Chael Sonnen <laughs> well I who else do you steal from <laughs> I steal from whoever Chael Sonnen stole from yeah so <laughs> some pro wrestler from the 80s yeah Chael Sonnen doesn't mind if you steal from him as long as you admit it so there you go I admit it I hear Chael Sonnen doesn't mind stealing from you as long as uh, you admit it. <laughs> Undefeated, non-disputed. That's a direct quote from Kenny Florian, 2016. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Kenny. Right. Bit of action happened this weekend across the MMA universe. Uh-huh. Mostly this side of the world, actually. Well, yeah, most, mostly Europe. Nationally, internationally, whatever, you, whatever you're having yourself. Where do you want to start? Three Arena or O2 Arena? Uh, we'll start maybe at the O2 Arena, shall we? And then we'll get into the, sli- get into the slightly afterwards. bigger one, is it? Yeah. Oh, they're both at the O2 Arena, actually, yeah. Where they- oh, no, wait. It's the Trina. The Trina, oh, yeah. The, the Pint. The Trina or the Pint. The Pint, yeah. No, we'll start at the, the O2 Arena. We'll start in London. We'll start in London and we'll get to Bama. So uh, Michael okay. Bisbing blew his load. Michael Bisbing. He did. got the... He got his unofficial title shot. Yeah. But it probably shouldn't have gone past the third round. Probably shouldn't have, yeah. That end of the third round was, was really weird. Um, 
what I, look if you were watching it and you didn't maybe see the replay or anything, what happened was he dropped his mouthpiece, he pointed at it, Herb Dean said fight on, Anderson hit him a few shots, he pointed at it again, Herb Dean didn't try to stop the fight, there wasn't enough of a break, Herb Dean did the right thing, Like you have to wait for a break before you stop the fight, um, so Anderson carried on, he was right, hit Bisping with a huge knee the second before the bell rang, as he was falling, the bell rang, or the, the hooter sounded, and um, Anderson thought it was over. Well, he didn't really think it was over. He knew well it wasn't over, but he just tried to play the game and jumped up in the cage, started celebrating, kind of half-fake. Everyone knew that he knew. Well, everyone in the crowd didn't know. Everyone watching probably knew. Anderson knew very well, but um, he tried to play the game. I have a question. Maybe. Go on. My first looking at it, because... Yes. It was during one event in Bama, but the UFC were really quick with their social media updates. In particular, they had everything going out on Twitter, little snippets of like the interesting parts of the fight. Yeah. So to me, it looked like Herb nodded to Bisbing as if to say, get your mouthpiece, but he said fight. And it, I actually think it could have been a human error from Herb. That could, yeah. like, that Herb give off the wrong signal to Bisbing but said fight. It was kind of like, he nods at him as if he's like, yeah, pick it up. And then he says fight. And Bisbing then relaxes. As soon, Bisbing relaxes after Herb nods at him. So Bisbing kind of is out of fight mode. I know you have to defend yourself at all times, but Bisbing yeah. just kind of goes as if he's going for his mouthpiece, say, and then Anderson comes at him and he reacts late, but he still gets caught with the knee. Yeah, I think, I don't think you can do that. I think you just have to keep fighting. Like, I think that's a bit of an amateurish mistake. Like, someone was saying, I'm not sure who it was afterwards, but they're saying, that's a kind of a foolish thing for someone with Bisping's, Bisping's experience to do. Like, you know, okay, you want you know, you know want to protect your teeth and everything, but <clears throat> you have to keep you have to keep fighting in that situation. And, you ha- you know, you have you have Anderson Silva standing in front of you. Like, you can't, you know, you need to protect yourself. <coughs> Where I'm dying here. But, um... I think, you know, thinking back on it, I think the fight probably should have been stopped. I know, you know, he went down and he fought well after that and stuff, but he was knocked out. You know, he was knocked, like, he wasn't out or cold or anything, but he was down, he was holding, he said, like, it took him, what, 10, 15 seconds to get up? I heard it like, was 20 seconds to get up and onto his stool, and then at 50 seconds to move the stool to his corner. And it was yeah. 95 seconds, I think, before in between the two rounds. Yeah. So if Anderson Silva had any sort of cop on, he wouldn't have got on the cage. He would have went to his corner and Michael Bisbing wouldn't have been able to answer the bell. And then Anderson wins by TKO. That's a good point, actually, yeah. But yeah, after that, then... Because there's oh, no way Bisbing's answering that bell if, the re- yeah. if Silva walked away as normal. I have another theory in this. How do, you think you, how do you think that round should be scored? Do you think that's a 10-8 or is it a 10-9? I see a lot of people saying that's a 10-8 because yeah. you, you're nearly finished. But yeah. you can kind of compare it to the the stat that you used a couple of weeks ago about if you land 400 strikes in a fight and 399 of them come in the first round, you didn't outstrike your opponent the entire fight. Yeah. So if, it, it kind of comes down to the whole thing is like, did you think it was a clear 10-9 for Anderson up until that point? It was, yeah. I thought it was an So does that mean the devastating knee makes it a ten eight or you know, I, I think it, it does. I think it does like the in the unified rules, you know, it's 
if you're a totally dominant for a round or if you're close to finishing, you know, if you're like on the verge of finishing. And, it, you know, of course, he, like, I think it was, it's undeniable that he was on the verge of finishing <laughs> with a second left. Like, if there was five seconds left, the fight would have been over. Like, Anderson wouldn't even have to go down and hit him with hammer fists or anything. Like, Herb Dean probably would have just called it off. Like, Herb Dean's not going to say, you know, I imagine, like, if the bell hadn't gone there. Like, Herb Dean is not saying, get up, get up. He would have just waved it off straight away. But the fact that the bell went, it gave him a chance to say, okay, the, the round's over. Uh, I'm. Uh, I didn't get a chance to call it off, you know, because if if there was two seconds left, he would have gone down. Herb Dean would have called it off. But the fact that he went down, bell ran. Herb Dean didn't have a chance to call it off. So you know, I think Herb. I think he did an okay job, but I don't know. Like if you're talking about fighter safety, you know, Bisping was kind of half getting up, but I think it probably should have been stopped. But I think another thing is with the whole ten nine ten eight thing. The, the the scorecards are taken up after every round. So, like, round one, over, the, the three lads at ringside score it, and those scores are handed up. You can't change it. When and round two starts, that's it. So, the lads who are, the three lads who are scoring at ringside had to score that round, like, in the middle of all this pandemonium, just after Michael Bissing was half knocked out. We didn't know where the fight was over. And, like, what was going through their mind? The, how fast did they have to write down their scores just to, you know, ju- just to get them out there? Like, would you be able to think that quickly in that split, split second? Oh, that's a, that actually should be a 10-8 round. You're probably, you're probably thinking, oh, Anderson sealed that round. You know, Anderson won that round 10-9. Like, I can see that's why they scored That's a very good point, actually. I didn't know the cards were handed up at the end of every round. Yeah, I didn't know actually either. I asked Potter and he told me they were. But I thought they were before, but I just I asked him to make sure because he wrote articles and stuff and that before. But I think, you know, I think that's... In that situation, it's very hard to score, to, to get your mind so right that you're going to score a 10-8 in that situation. Wait a minute. You mean I've I've been making invalid claims against judges for the better part of a year now, Sean? You have? Well, oh, it's probably not, actually. Goodness me. Yeah. Such remorse. Um, you've kind of you've you stuck me a bit here, Sean. I don't think I'll ever be able to watch a, a near-ending finish in an MMA fight, like end of a round sort of stuff again, without thinking that. Do you know when you when you learn something or you hear something or you absorb something and you're like, I know exactly when I'm going to use that again. Yeah. Like tying your shoelaces. Yeah. This exactly. is the sort of this is the sort of knowledge that we're looking for. It is in fairness, and like you, may, you know, when they say oh, things that happen at the end of the round sway the judges as well. Well, yeah, that definitely. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes more sense now when when you think of it that way. It's like, oh, you know, sixty seconds of damage happened at the end of the round. Fuck it, I, you know, I have ten seconds to make a decision. What am I gonna do? Fuck it, I'll call it a ten eight, or you know, I'll give it to that guy, you know, because that's the last thing I saw. It may, you know, it makes more sense. Um, but the, what the fight you, overall, uh, I was gonna just say, what do you make of the groin shot? The groin shot. Who, who, who is who with a groin shot? Bisping hit Anderson, was it? Uh, I can't remember. Anderson hit Bisping with a groin shot, did he not, in yeah. the fourth round? Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't much in it. I don't think anyone would do it. I think it was, oh, he did. He kicked him, yes. Yeah. A lot of people saying, a lot like a twi- live on Twitter, maybe or maybe not driving down the M1, reading it. Uh, yes. <gasps> oh. Don't tweet and drive. Uh, Corm- uh, I'll already... I'll fess up to it. Cormac O'Hanlon from Team Tara's was uh, live reading your tweets and other people's tweets out to me. 
while we were uh, on the way home. But some people may be thinking, uh, I think it was Front Row Brian had it up, that Anderson came out fourth round, didn't try finish at all, even though Bisbing had just been put on the point of unconsciousness. Bisbing mm-hmm. got a couple of strikes together, maybe worried Anderson a little, <coughs> and Anderson kicked him in the nuts deliberately. And therefore given Bisbing even more time to recover. Do you think Anderson just took the piss in that fight completely? That he had, he was, I don't know if he was trying to make another little statement. It just seemed like he had absolutely no regard for Bisbing throughout the fight. And even then, everyone going nuts about about Bisbing's knockdown when Anderson Silva nearly took his head off with an upkick straight away when Bisbing swarmed onto the ground like. Yeah, that's true. There's some people as well saying, off to round three is a 10-8. Why isn't that a 10-8? Because he got knocked down. But you made a perfectly, perfect point there. And you know, he wasn't out or anything. He did upkick him straight away. But and then closed look, his guard and Bisbing landed very little strikes. Yeah. this is, Look, this is the way I look at it. The first round, Bisbing, I think it was a pretty close round, but Bisbing landed a few shots at the start. Anderson couldn't he struggled to get anything off it was the same in the second round struggled to get anything off that's why he, you know people were saying oh he was messing around up against the cage he wasn't he, him putting his back up against the cage like that is a desperate act for him to try to get the fight to, the, his opponent to come in so we can counter him Anderson Silva cannot fight in the front foot like okay when I say he cannot he cannot fight in an elite way he cannot fight like Anderson Silva in the front foot he's a great fighter in the front foot he's a good jab everything but he cannot, you know, he is not an excellent fighter fighting on the front foot. He's a counter fighter, and that's what he's all, always good at. He's good with his back against the, the cage. And he's trying to recreate that, but he's just, it's gone. He's just too old. You know, we, we saw signs of it late in the fight, but early he was, like, it was a desperate act trying to get it back, especially in, in, the, first, uh, in the first two rounds. In the third, he got a little bit better uh, at doing that. I think it was because Bisping was fatiguing a little bit. Even uh, When I say fatiguing, you know, he was still, you know, his output was still good. He was still coming forward, but after 15 minutes of fighting, like of course you're going to be, um, you're going to be getting a little bit tired. And then the came in the fourth, Bisping up the pressure, which is you, you think you know that's a bad thing because you don't want to be pressuring Anderson Silva because he's gonna, gonna um, counter you. And that's what Bisping did well in the first two rounds. He didn't really pressure him in, in such a way that you know you're going forward at him and you're giving him chances. Bisping was taking his shots. He was hitting him where he could. You know, he wasn't rushing anything, but after he got uh, hurt in the third, that all went out the window. And he won the fourth because he did that, and Anderson Silva wasn't countering him. Anderson, as you said, like, I think PT mentioned that some they were saying for him to be passive. And he was for the fourth round, for the first four minutes of it, and didn't come into it until the last 60 seconds, and I don't think that was enough. So I think Bisping did deserve to win that round. Um, and in the fifth in, Anderson Silva kind of turned it on. Bisping was so tired, so hurt, that he could do nothing but revert the type and wade forward, and that gave Anderson Silva loads of opportunities. Um, like uh, I, I think it was the fifth where he landed landed the front kick, hurt Bisping badly. You know, was, score, was scoring with a lot of counters off the off the back foot and took that that round. But you know, it wasn't enough. Uh, Anderson Silva. Okay, there was a, maybe it was a little bit of ring rust, and there was definitely signs in the last you know the last minute of the fourth round and the fifth round. That he still has a bit of it left, but he's fighting Michael Bisping, and with all due respect to Michael Bisping, you know he's a very good fighter, has been for ages, but In he's a little Sean bit past too. In Sean Sheehan's terms, that means no 
<laughs> respect <laughs> to Michael Bisping. Ah, uh, but in fairness, like, fair play to him winning the fight and everything like. But Michael Bisping's time is a little bit past too. Do you know, Michael Bisping's not going to be beating Luke, Luke Rockhold or Jack Array or just Chris Weidman or anyone anytime soon. And unfortunately, I don't think Anderson Silva is either. Where I I would like to see Michael Bisping get a title shot so he can get one in his career. I, I do agree. agree with you that I don't think he'd have a chance at beating Luke Rockhold. But Bisbing is now maybe torn between does he want to get a title shot and go after that title or does he go after the absolute money fight and continue what he did on Twitter this morning and try fight Nick Diaz later on in the year at 185? I think, I think he's very, very smart. I think he's given himself options because he knows he isn't guaranteed that title shot, especially if Luke Rockhold wins. Now, if, if Weidman wins, I think he will probably get it. But if Luke Rockhold wins, it's going to be, you know, it's a tough sell to give him that fight after he got beaten so badly the last time against him. Although there's ways you can work around, he was eye-poked and stuff, and he, he'll uh, obviously spin that. But I think it's, it's smart, as you said, Nick Diaz, that's a, that's a winnable fight for Bisping. Um, yeah, like, if it's at middleweight, and then you've Anderson Silva... You say who would he be? Talis Lettis, Anderson Silva, and Nick Diaz. If he's those three wins in a row, I don't think you can deny him a title shot. Then, um, but uh, like I agree with you, I think he. I don't think he'd win it, but I think he deserves a title shot now for everything he's done. And you know he's the most deserving. Chris Weidman's obviously fighting Rockhold next, but Bisping's going to take you know f- three or four months to recover from the damage he took. Anyway, I'd say he's a badly broken nose. He's a lot of a uh, lot of damage to his face, so he, you know it'll take him a while. Uh, to come back but um, yeah perfect amount of time for uh, Nick Diaz's suspension to free up yeah and leave him ready for a fight although we kind of have to speculate that Conor McGregor versus Nick Diaz is a fight that's Mm -hmm. definitely going to happen in Conor's UFC run as well possibly there's a storyline there for it if Conor beats Nate at the weekend and he wants to continue fighting at 170 that is probably I don't know how you could sell that fight. How you couldn't not sell that fight. Yeah. Like, all, like I saw a bit on Twitter about all of the seats that are still remaining for UFC 196. Maybe a co- the public perception shifted now that these all of these big fights shouldn't be in Vegas anymore. Yeah. Where do you stand on that? Do you think the UFC should go for these marquee shows, bring big fights to places like London? Maybe try to do bigger arenas, bigger stadiums, more stadiums, outdoor or indoor. I don't know. I think it's it's easier for them to do Vegas, like because everything you know, lives that, there. Yeah, everything is there. It's close to Los Angeles, which is the media hub of you know of America. You know, it's an easy flight for the people you know on the East Coast to get there. I know it's tough for people from Ireland and stuff, but to get there, but you know. Even just for like hotels, the Octagon, everything like it's easy. Zufa HQ is there, you know. The MGM obviously have given incentives as well to to fight there and and the, the Mandalay Bay and other places. So yeah, look, I think the UFC have done a pretty good job of bringing big fights around the world. We see a lot, you know, in Brazil. Um, um, see, was it Sydney or Melbourne and Australia? Anyway, they had their under Rousey fight there. So I think they they do a little bit of it, um, but it's tough, especially with time zones and things like that. But I think the, one of the biggest things as well to come out of uh, this at the weekend, if you heard Eric Winter did a, an interview with Ariel and he was saying that it was, the, you know, the biggest fight pass fight ever and that did huge unexpected numbers. You know, if they if they can have numbers like that, especially in America, watching the fight at that time, maybe pay per view is possible at this you know 
at this time of the the day, you know, a normal time for um, for us and say earlier for America, maybe they can do that. You know, if these big numbers in, in fight pass come, so maybe did, the crowd park should be altogether. Did he say that the numbers came from the states? Because wasn't it geo No, no, but I'm saying that myself. But geo blocked where? It was definitely geo blocked in Canada. What was it? Why? Yeah, I saw that on Reddit during the week. Uh, people weren't able to watch it just because of television stuff. Maybe that it was going to be on in future or a delayed delayed coverage or something like that. Really? I saw people having trouble watching it in certain places. There was a Reddit thread with loads of people saying where they could and could not watch it from. Well, that's weird. But, yeah, hopefully, you know, it's diff- It's always going to be difficult. But maybe, you know, Fight Pass might be a game changer. Eric Winter's doing great work there, so... Things uh things might be changing in the next few years. They never uh they never really say the same anyway. Was it the interview with Ariel that he said that there was going to be a fight pass relaunch as well in the next couple of months? I, yeah, I think they actually announced on the broadcast. No, I think they, oh, they said the that on the broadcast. Right. Yeah. I just last thing on that. What do you think? What do you think is next for Anderson Silva? Um, I would like to see him fight Vitor Belfort again. To Thank be you. honest, there's no reason that he should retire or go away or give up he still probably gets paid very very well um, I would like to ask you just before we get off the topic of London completely though I'll talk about we're going to talk about how Silva obviously didn't want to be there but in terms of his next fight like you can't put him against anyone good <laughs> otherwise he's one I think he's one bad knockout away from that set completely he still is going to he, he effectively Anderson Silva is going to become the gatekeeper of £185. Anyone with any sort of title aspirations or credentials, go forward for that. Fight Anderson Silva and then we'll see what happens. I'd like to see him at 205 against Shogun as well. That's a, a fight that people were hoping for for years. Um, otherwise, some soft hitting 185ers. Yeah, his chin is totally gone as well. That's something that I mentioned earlier. Like it actually looked like he had his, you know, he was standing on the edge of a cliff for the whole fight. Like Bis and Bisping doesn't hit hard. Bisping nearly knocked him out like a couple of times. He's his chin is just totally gone at all altogether. Like if he's moving to two or five, you know, keep him away from any of them hitters. I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting Shogun or someone like that. But he's just. I I was talking about Uriah Hall. I think that that'd be a good fight. They'd bring the best out of each other. I know Uriah Hall hits very hard and he hit him. He'd probably knock him out. But you know. I don't know if that's the role you want to give Anderson either. That's kind of a, a selfish Anderson, kind of a will thing. Anderson, fight but... this guy that may knock you to oblivion. <laughs> yeah. Please. Oh, God. oh there, by there's the way, a few... in Poland. <laughs> yeah, there's a few matches there for him. I don't think he'll fight Jack Ray. I think he, he's friends with Jack Ray. But, yeah, there's, there's a couple of guys. You could do the Weidman, you could do the Weidman fight again if Weidman loses to um to uh, Rockhold. But again, like that. why would you want to do that to Anderson yeah. Silva? True. They'll find yeah. a fight for him anyway. He pretty obviously, to me, didn't want to be in London. I don't know if you picked that up as well. Uh, no, not really. Michael Bisbing in Ariel's Walk said that he had a source. Anderson was going to forego the uh, open workouts, saying he didn't want to be here, he's, he's miserable here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Anderson did an interview with Ariel in complete translation, and in the past oh. he has done it while trying to attempt to speak English. I think he was being maybe as difficult as possible would you not be? You've just gone from being the king of the world and now you're, in his eyes, maybe you're being sent over to, to London to fight on Fight Pass. I know it's a good thing to build Fight Pass. It's a great thing if the numbers did go up as much as uh, as much as the UFC were hoping for and <coughs> if they exceeded that. 
But yeah. Anderson Silva doesn't think like that. He's not he's not part of the company. It's not his business growth. It's not his app growth. It's not his personal growth. It's just him paying to get to fight. And he would probably rather fight somewhere where he's going to get a lot more money for doing so. Yeah, the thing about Anderson Silva all along is it was always you always thought it was fun for him. But I think in the last while, you know, it's just not been fun for him anymore. But the whole drug testing and you know his name getting dragged through the through the the muddy waters, whatever you want to call it. And I, fairly, obviously, he failed the test. But I don't, you know, I don't think it's become fun for him anymore. And it's kind of you know it's sad to see, but it's also hard for the guys like that to give up, especially when you're the best in the world. You you know you always think you can get that back. And uh, I'd say that's for Anderson Silva at the moment, like. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him retire. It's you know it's one of the sad things in MMA, and it happens in a lot of um, combat sports. But you know, remember like Ricky Hatton there? He got knocked out by Pacquiao, and then he came back and he had one more fight against Shemenko, and he did okay. But then he got knocked out late in the fight by I think it was a body shot, and then everyone realized, okay, that's that's the end. He's not the same. Like I think Anderson Silva's in the same now. Like he, he could have won that fight, but. It's you know it's Michael Bisping he's fighting and he, like he was decimating the best in the world before, um, so you know I'd say that's he, very he, tough he's, to swallow like yeah it's terribly tough yeah it's awful like but, <laughs> yeah I yeah. assume you're talking your your previous experience as the world's best poker player I, as you know as the <laughs> I world's... know you don't like to bring it up <laughs> as the as the world's best mixed martial arts journalist slash writer slash. Uh, prick, it's you know when I have to go on holidays and give it up for a week. It's, you know, it's very tough. It is. It's, very and tough. it's a struggle, and I don't know how I get through those seven days without you, Sean. Um, I I stirred the water a little bit a couple of weeks ago. Just the final thing on UFC London. I said UFC London is a massive is massive for the UK scene. UK media might finally have a few stars they can cover instead of an Irish one. Just threw it out there. You know, let's see how the UK guys perform. Let's see if a star is born. Unfortunately. I don't think that's going to happen this time around. No, um, Bisping kind of um, uh, I, Bisping kind of I, I mean, kept um, himself there, but yeah, a new one, yeah. Aside, aside, I mean the explosion. Oh. I, I yeah. am talking about this guy. I think Mike Wilkinson primed himself perfectly in a position to be able to do it because mm-hmm. of all of the pre-fight uh, media that he did hyping up that fight before dropping a loss. So unfortunately, he didn't do it. Tom Breeze. A lot of people wondering, Very is this the same guy that fought Kyle Bendred? The thing, you know, Tom Breeze, he still has a lot of improving to do. And, uh, like, uh, I heard things about him that he is one of the most dedicated guys you'll ever see. And guys like that, you know, it takes some time to improve because, you know, they're, putting all, they're still putting all the things together. When you're trying to learn so many things at a time, you're not going to learn that all at once. So I think Tom Breeze, Tom, Tom Breeze, He's going to be a very good fighter. You know, people talking about him being a champion, a welterweight. Cool, cool the Jets a little bit on that one now. I don't think, you know... Peter Carroll, I think he's you a very good, way off. <laughs> I think he's a good, very good prospect. But um, I wouldn't be too sure about that one yet. Maybe, but uh, I don't know. Um, I think Aaron Lallon, again, another good performance, but not a great performance. And I said it on Twitter at the weekend. I think... Aaron Lallon is going to click for him at some stage it's just a matter of when I think I think he's going to be a very very good featherweight I think he's going to be a top you know top five maybe get a title shot type of featherweight but it just hasn't clicked for him yet um, but I, th- I think it definitely will training with TriStar as well it's uh, he, he can only be a good thing for him 
Norman Park as well lost out to Rusam Havilov, obviously an Irish interest. No, it was a good, not a bad performance from Norman. Um, but it was, you know, it was kind of one of those close decisions again. I think it was probably probably went the right way to for Havilov to win it. Um, but uh, yeah, Norman won his last fight as well, so I should. I don't think he's in danger of getting caught or anything. I think so he'll get one more. Yeah, he'll be he'll be back. I, you know, Norman's the type of guy. I think, you know, he he'll probably win his next fight, and might, he might win two in a row. And you know, he, I don't think he's gonna get. You know, I don't think he's getting caught anytime soon. I think he's a, you know, I think he's a good top twenty five, top thirty fighter. And you know, you know, something could click for him as well. I could see a little bit of improvements where he could move up towards the edge of the top fifteen if you know if something clicked. If you know, he went to he went to back to Alliance for a while and stuff. To put and things together, together yeah. a wee bit better. For Norman especially, I do think that he has... I know we spoke. We definitely spoke about this before his last fight. He has proved, I think, that he is the type of guy that can go his career in the UFC and not get cut or released from the UFC and go to another organisation. Now, cue this, we'll uh, probably as we're recording this, or before this is even released, we'll somehow get a breaking news story that Norman Park has been cut from the UFC. But to uh, me, his ability is that he is able to withstand and have a long like a Cole Miller-esque career in the UFC um, yeah I think so I think I think you said that in maybe one of the first ever podcasts you did and I think yeah I think that's probably right I think he'll, he'll be hanging around there for a good while I think you know he's a good UFC career ahead of him anyway what else what's up uh, Bama how about Bama you were there eating I, I my words pieces of it yeah. Went on a little stream of conscious thought yesterday on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Got corrected think, by the official Bama account on a quote yeah. that I put up during the night, during the week. I think we have to give a little bit of credit to Bama. We've been harshing them in the past. A little bit. Deserving okay. so for a lot is, of time. This oh. is you, okay? Yeah, go on. I have to deal with you, okay? We, we've learned this over the weekend. Your tongue gets me in trouble. You, <laughs> Why, you spur me on. You set me off loose. You say a couple of things like, what about Bama? And that's just yeah. set me off. <laughs> and I'm the one that deals with the repercussions. Uh, but look, you can take solace in the fact if I ever meet that at 5,000, I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah, well, look, <laughs> I'm not going to rule out. I hear he loves Limerick. Why, why wouldn't he come visit? See, uh, there's a few fellas in Limerick that would knock him clean out. Probably is. A few boys, yeah. street fighters. Own so yeah, the event was was very good. I'm not gonna lie. There are still things that Bama do that make me like smash my head off the table, um, and I think that's just because we are used to the the higher sta- not the higher standard, but the standard that Cage Warriors set. Cage Warriors were always UFC light. Do you know they had Joey yeah. Martinez? Um, they had guys coming in and out they didn't have any sort of fan interaction you were there for MMA it was well matched it was well run ran on time people around the world liked it Bama is like whatever your opinions are that guy uh, the announcer for Bama their announcer not Noel oh yeah I don't know who he is Um, he I find him to be Annoying to listen to. Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah, and it, I like Noel. Noel like, is good. Um, again, I'm not too sure. It was like fair play to Noel for what he's doing, and I can appreciate that he's going after something like that. But it can, uh, to be fair, it can be hard to hear him sometimes. He chews the mic a little bit, or he is like, Rrr! and 
I always thought, oh, it's just it's it's an Irish MMA thing. It's a local local show, maybe with bad speakers. But then you hear it at the Three Arena, and it's uh, it sounds the same. So it's it's his technique. It's the way he does it. Some like there's a lot more announcers that are like that. For me, I just think a, a crisp cleaner like a Joe Martinez, Bruce Buffer. Maybe it's what I've been raised on, and maybe it's just what I think it's better. That's not to say his way isn't any better or worse. It's just a personal preference of mine. Yeah, I, look, I'd rather pay money to the fighters than fighting Joe Martinez over. So, you know, just grand. Well, I wasn't there, but we, you can speak about what it was like to be there in, in a second and all the fights and stuff. But I, you know, okay, it, was, it wasn't the best decision in the world to have it on in the same night as UFC, whether that was, you know, by accident or whatever. But um, I thought the fact that they put on, put up the videos of the finishes straight away was very good. Like, obviously, you saw the, the Ducanois finish um the reese mckee finish the um i don't know if they put up james Gallagher, but they put up a lot of them on their you know on their twitter with uh th- those little videos i like that a lot um and as well i don't think we've given them enough credit for showcasing the irish talent the way they have and other talent as well you know all these guys are getting to fight in front of you know four and a half five thousand people at the at the tree arena and they're getting fights as well like when cage warriors left it, you know it was tough for lads to, to get fights they had to travel you know around the world and you know even then they're you know they're finding it tough to get fights and it's great you know it's great to see guys like um like dylan took and like uh reese mckee james Gallagher, and all those getting you know three months between fights whatever you know getting in there getting their paycheck you know they'll know you know I think there's talks of one in May or June, one May in London or somewhere, and then another one in June in Ireland or something like that. Um, so you know, it's good to have that to have you know be be sure of it. And like, if Cage Warriors comes back, hopefully with the will come back, but if he's yeah, can we enough. talk about that now? Yeah, like I, I think I think Graham Boylan is actually doing a little bit more damage than good. Like this is the third event that's been announced for Cage Warriors since uh, they've went away. And every time it's been Graham making the announcement. So I don't know why he went on aerial. Like he, he must have asked to go in the MMA hour to say, yeah, we're going to announce this Cage Warriors deal. That didn't happen. On the same broadcast, there was all, I think he said two shows at the end of 2015. Um, then this most recent announcement, Paul Redmond being signed to Cage Warriors, and now Paul Redmond signing to Bama. And that yeah. was that. I think it was a reactionary move because apparently Bama had tabled the contract to Redzer before that as well, and Cage Warriors got hold of it and were like, "No, we're coming back. Sign with us." And then Paul got no information about a fight. Wasn't matched. Well, nothing like that. So who know? Like, is it is it a smokescreen? Like, and then it doesn't really help when you have Graham Boylan tweeting that fights. Venue, ticket information, and a June so show will be announced sometime next week. It's like, okay, the week has passed. Where is it now? Still no announcement. Wasn't there an April show? It's supposed to be an April show on in London. Oh no, that the ticket information for that was a bit was supposed to be announced last week, as oh, well yeah. as fights and also information about a June show. So look, um, I'm not. Uh, I think it's only fair, Sean. We kicked the fuck out of Bama when they were down, when they did silly things, when they made silly mistakes. Yeah. Um, and f- I wasn't in the arena too much, so I don't know if they did another Tommy Toehold special. <laughs> so, Hi, uh, <laughs> prick, you Tommy. Toe. I hope they did. Tommy Toehold's a great man. Um, but 
as I said, just the tiny, uh, not tiny things, but just some things that they do that it's, it's different. It, they're not trying to be UFC light. They're not trying to mirror the UFC. They're trying to do their old thing. And fair, but like the flex cam, did you hear about that? No. What it was, was that? like they were just putting a camera on random people in the crowd, getting them to flex. <clears throat> and I was like, okay. <laughs> there, I was like sitting in the press room when I saw that in between one of the fights. And I was like, I was just about to give Bam a beautiful review on the podcast. And then they <laughs> had to go and do this. <laughs> Listen, the most I think the most important thing to come from Bam at the weekend was sure didn't fucking Tyron Spong ruin Luke Barnett in the in the captain's challenge, didn't he? Oh, completely. How many, how many I didn't see Tyron Spong there. He wasn't there, was he? I don't know if he was there or not, but I didn't yeah, see maybe. him. Maybe. What, what kind of an there, Irish what kind of an Irish captain is he? Letting down the boy he's supposed to be from Clare. Yeah. His mother was from Clare. Was she fair play to Teresa Spong. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Spong. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Spong Joe Spong and Mary Spong Mike Spong Sure the Spongs are only down the road there hey (laughs) Are they the Spongs from Minas Diamond there Sean will you run down to the Spongs house a few eggs off Mrs Spong (laughs) I don't sure wasn't she a fine woman or day Mrs Spong Oh she was was. Fucking a a lady of the town Um, (laughs) Whoa easy now No no that's just just an expression uh, yeah. And uh, no, no meanings. Um, anyway, the fight. What did you think of him? Uh, who impressed you most? Who was most disappointing? Come on, tell us. Break it all down. Uh, I was disappointed that Conor Cook didn't get to fight. To be honest, yeah. he seemed yeah. fairly up for it when we spoke to him during the week. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of weight cuts, but he said that he said he could feel it in his heart. I think it was, or just wasn't feeling right. And after a couple of bats, less and less was coming off. So maybe it was a, a water management thing. Maybe it was a, a diet thing. I've I've no idea. But uh, it seems like Conor Cook is going to go up to two hundred five now and uh, strike while the iron is hot. He's just off the back of a camp in Albuquerque, New Mexico, over at Jackson's, um, get in and out of there and fight. So. Hopefully we get to see a match maybe even on the next Bama card. The decision, though, to have that fight pulled, it ultimately rests with, with his opponent, Sean. Because yeah. his opponent was looking for Conor Cook to weigh 88 kilo the next, uh, the next morning or 90 what's kilos that, or, the following what's evening. In, what's that in real? What's that in pounds? I don't know. I'm sorry. I know that 94 kilo, I think, is 205, is it? Hold on, let me Google it. So what did he want him to weigh? They wanted him to weigh 88 kilos the next morning, then 90 kilos at 5 o'clock the following following day, fight day, and 100% of his purse. 194 pounds. So they wanted him to be 194 pounds. What's that? 88 kilos. So that's not going to happen. No. So that was, he, that was bad. He weighed in at like 190, didn't he? This, uh, like 190. He was four pounds off. Yeah. So that's what I heard. And that's, this guy visibly looked bigger than Cook. This guy would have been bigger than Cook fight night. Guaranteed. He wanted, he wanted all his money as well, didn't he? All of his money. So I don't, that's, that's what was coming out at the, at the weigh-ins. So whether it's true or not, but apparently that guy did have guys flying over. So I'd... You uh, question like it's that. Fair, like, you know, I, it's fair, fair enough, enough yeah. to just say you don't want to take the fight. But, you know... Putting in these stipulations off, that's bullshit. Um, aside from that, though, performance-wise, people who actually yeah. got to get in there, um, Reese McKee again, absolute standout. His mm-hmm. opponent, Alex Musaku, took the fight on short notice. Um, sitting beside Graham from Severe MMA in fights is actually quite entertaining. 
very uh, very similar to when were we watching a fight before and you said he's going to do a head kick now. Yeah. And then he head kicked him. And I was, you were yeah. the smuggest man in the world. <laughs> um, that was, it was a Phil Bart fight, I think. He was going to throw a straight right hand. Yeah, yeah. Boom. So Graham was like, this guy is good, but all he has is ones and twos. And where Reese had nice fluid combinations, I give him the Muay Thai private and uh, throwing some of his elbow strikes, which he utilized very well. He um, ended up finishing. Did you see the head kick? Yeah, I saw it, yeah. Absolute Very good. stiffener of a head kick uh, against a guy who's probably stronger than Reese, definitely weighed more than Reese. And once again, Reese has proved that this technical striking that he has is just too much for anyone what's going to happen when he like this is a guy who made 66 at amateur quite regularly he likes the idea of staying at 70 at pro and has fought guys that you could argue sh- well John Redmond was uh, welterweight but John Redmond's now going to be fighting at middleweight do you know so Reese McKee has always fought these bigger guys I really 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 am looking forward to his next fight I think he is definitely him and Dylan Took are the two Irish pros that people should be cocking an ear out for over the next so- uh, next while so he's he's a lightweight, but he he's a featherweight that fights a lightweight. Yeah. He fought, and, and Dylan he fought Tuch a guy a... who I like. Alexander Musaku has fought John Michael Shield in kickboxing and knocked him out. John mm. Michael Shield, who would cut a lot to make welterweight. Well, I'm, I'm saying he's a featherweight, and Reese McKee's a featherweight. Or, um, Dylan Tuke's a featherweight as well, is he? Uh, Dylan's a featherweight now, but yeah. I don't think Reese has intentions of 66 at pro. Same reason oh, maybe yeah. for Dylan moving up. Reese has gotten bigger. Reese was making 66 when he was a small, skinny kid. Now he's getting a little bit hench. Uh, he's getting a wee bit bigger. I see you use that. Who did you use it? I Dylan used Tuch it on Dylan like, Tuke. And he just, off, yeah, he just blanked me. Like, he was like, <laughs> don't know that. I'm from the flats. <laughs> I was like, I saved it though. I saved it. I lied and I said James Gallagher used the word all the time. Just yeah. to get myself out of bother. Um, but what about James Gallagher though? Just on Dylan, before we go on, I think oh, uh, when he says stuff like, uh, could be in the UFC this year and you kind of cock an eye and you're like yeah right Dylan whatever I do think within 18 months it wouldn't be a shock to see Dylan Chuk's name in the UFC and the reason that is is because he's making these pro debuts and these early pro fights on such a massive stage do you know he's now thousands of Irish people have seen him fight and finish two opponents in the three arena do you know what I mean Cage, yeah. like um, Bama did back to back shows getting over like I'd say it was fairly full. I'd say it was more people at this one than there was at the last one, to be honest, Sean. Oh, yeah? Yeah, definitely at points. You see, the way that the stack of cards, it's like towards the main event, there was very few people left in terms of what it was at its peak. Do you know? So once, say, the large crowd from Next Gen leave, do you know, that's 200 plus that are just walking out of a venue after Alan Philpott's fight. Do you know? So it does, the numbers do drop off when certain fighters and groups are done for the evening. But... um, Definitely a peak. It was huge. James Gallagher, I said on Twitter last night, I think easily you can make a case for him being the most dominant Irish MMA uh, grappler, pro fighter. Did I, I said that in an arse uh, roundabout way. Yeah, he, I know what you mean, though. You know what I mean. He's, he's probably the best grappler out of any pro fighter in Ireland at those lighter weight classes, for sure. He is uh, He's on another level. And there's... I would like to see him tested, and he will surely get tested at pro by maybe guys that are uh, cut down a good bit to make feather, like a Conor McGregor that cuts down to make featherweight that has as good grappling as him, because then we'll get to see how his stand-up game has evolved. But 
once he progresses in his grappling sequences, he doesn't go back. Once he passes guard, he doesn't have to pass guard again. You know, once he gets mount, he's either finishing from mount or you're giving up your back. And once he gets your back, then that's the fight over. And I think for to have such a strong grappling base, it almost intimidates people before they even fight him. Do you think it's fair to say something like that, Sean? Yeah, I think when I when I saw him fighting, I saw him fighting Cage Warriors. How long ago was that? Maybe two or three years ago now. Uh, he was still in August amateur. August two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Well, how long? Ago? Yeah, two years ago. He looked to me like a guy who was, you know, who was going to be a striker. If if you know, he looked like a guy who. Was, actually. Yeah, it was, a lot, it was a good while ago. Was, was it Pinder's fight or one of them? But he, you know, he looked like a guy who was, you know, putting together his striking well and getting better as a striker. But now, as you said there, he's kind of turned well, not turned into, but because you know how his fights are going is that he's becoming, you know, he's taking them down and being a grappler and being dominant there. That's and am I, you know, that's a good sign because. If you're putting the striking together very well from a few years ago, and now you're putting the grappling together very well, you know it's that that's a good thing for someone so young, and he's been doing it now for for a good while. So, you know, it's all about being well rounded. You know, in MMA, and he seems, you know, he seems to be getting better in, in all areas. He seems to be, you know, he look at interviews from that you did with him from years ago, and interviews you're doing with him now. He seems to be a little more grounded as well as a person himself. And you know, obviously, he's still very young, and uh, he he'll, he'll uh, mature, you know, as he gets older and stuff. But I, I was saying it there at the weekend that the the prospects at the moment for an Irish MMA, and obviously, you know, me you now I'm, I'm I'm the big Irish MMA expert for all down down through the years and all. But they seem to be better than anything that's you know better than ever. But I think you made a point there about guys like Dylan Tuchel that getting into the UFC quickly. Oh yeah, because. I, I don't know if that's a good thing. Go oh, I'm not too uh, sure if it's a good or... I, I see where you're coming from, but just yeah. before you go on, my point was that boards.ie, you see people discussing the grappling credentials of James Gallagher or Will Dillon to get to the UFC. And it's because these guys have had such of an exposed platform on the start of their pro careers, as opposed to, uh, for example, someone like Niall Smith, who has a very... who put a good pro record together, but it's been on local shows in the North. And uh, I think he took a fight over in Scotland as well. I think he was 4-0 or 5-0. I know James McElane fought him recently as well um, up at Akuma. But in terms of hype, in terms of like what people are talking about, it's Dylan Duke. If Niall Smith had yeah. to put those performances together on a Bama show, people would be like, who's this guy? He's coming in and finishing everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. But but you think it's too soon? You think I think guys it's too soon. Are, I think need to Conor go through the wars yeah. of Europe. They need to go through. It's not just that. It's just like when Carl Pindred and Conor McGregor and all those guys came into the UFC, they came in and they straight away they were good. They were they were taking on the UFC guys and then, you know there was no UFC nerves. The cage owners helped that a lot as well because as you said it's kind of UFC light. But they had a, f a footing and they had enough experience that they were going in there and they were you know they were landing with their feet running. If if you go in there with three or four fights, I don't think it's going to be the same. Um, you know, guys like that maybe need to take a few, maybe even not losses, but you know, have a few hard fights on the local scene. There's nothing wrong with taking ten or ten or twelve fights and then going into UFC. Look at Tom Duckenmore. 
uh, at the weekend, another standout guy. He's taking, you know, he's taking those extra fights in the in in Bama and on the local scene to get ready to go into the UFC. And he's training with Jackson Winklejohn and also like he's not like Tom Tuchel could have been fighting in the UFC for the last probably eighteen months, but he's he, you know he's choosing to um to stay outside and and wait and go, you know go in and I think he's going to be one of the top prospects. I saw um Eric O'Keefe put up a Facebook post, you know, kind of with a similar sort of thing that you know you go and you take that tough fights on on the local scene before you you know before you go into the UFC and uh, you know you need to work your way into the UFC you need to you know you need to invest in yourself in the future and you you need to you know be poor now so you can be rich later or whatever I know that's not going to work out for everyone obviously and people are going to you know you might lose money but you know that's kind of the way the ball rolls but I think you know if if you want if say if you're looking at being a UFC champion if you're looking at being you know a guy like Norman Park who wants to be in the UFC for you know how many fights you know eight nine fights or something like that if you want to be a guy who who stays in the UFC for a long time like that I think you're better off putting in tough fights how many fights did Norman Park have 16 17 18 fights and local scene before he went into the UFC Conor McGregor the same Kyle Pinder the same Neil Seary even more uh, you know. I think I think that's what you need to do, and I don't think there's any points or any uh, or any um, rush, you know, a rush with these young guys. Let them take their fights, give them time, let them, you know, make mistakes, and let them get better. And you know, ten, eleven fights into their career, whatever, then, then that's the time for the UFC. But the the rate that these guys seem to be fighting, though, like Dylan Tuka's, I think, out again in Venator, I yeah. think, and. Then looking for Bam again in June, it wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility for him to be six and zero before the end of this year. Yeah, maybe. But uh, like, it's great having plans like that. But you know, injuries are going to come and fights are going to get cancelled. Guys are going to pull out, and you know, he could, yeah, he could be, he could be. But usually, usually it takes a good, you know, two three years for guys to get their first. 10 fights underneath their belts or something like that. The uh, the other noticeables, just to give a quick shout-out, um, Miles Price had a very good performance against Mario Saeed, uh, dropped him with a body shot, but it seems like Saeed may have quit. I'm not too sure what the what was going on there. It seems uh, he folded, just folded under the shot. It must have been, it was a sweet shot, I assume, but uh, he seemed to protest afterwards. Then there was a bit of afters. Miles giving him a bit of a mouth. Then giving him the finger. There was bad blood at the wins. So um, happy to see. Especially after Miles' last performance in Bama when he looked so good and so improved. And a lot of people thought that he won that, uh, won that fight on the scorecards. Um, and Peter Queeley. Another win. A very dominant performance. Looked like he was on the verge of getting the finish that we were ta- alluding to uh, last week. Landed about four head kicks in a row and then ended up being the one that got a cut out of the sequence from a head, an accidental headbutt. Um, but as he said in the interview, it's like if you take that fight and you make a highlight video of it, that's a very exciting fight because good active grappling, punishing on the ground, punishing up against the cage, outstriking his opponent. He doesn't necessarily feel <coughs> that the decisions are as important, as uh, the finishes are as important as other people will believe. Maybe he's yeah. taking a look at uh, Artem Lobov's Artem Lobov's journey towards the UFC. Do you know the sort of sometimes maybe putting yourself out there for that style can end you losing a decision? Why not just dominate them in the areas that you think that you're able to dominate them in? That's that's the Peter Queeley style. He's got a really good record, a good clean record. I think maybe one more fight he's scheduled for in Europe, but 2016 again, 
think we're seeing Peter Queeley make that jump. Yeah, I agree. And like, there's no one. I've talked about Peter Queeley getting the UFC for a good while, but I did one of my predictions for the for the year and stuff. But I think getting finishes does matter, and I I don't think it should, but I think it it does. You know, remember Carl Pinter when he was getting into the UFC? There was people thinking that win over Chay, he got to finish over Chay Mills, and even then, like they were saying. Uh, you know, is that, is that enough? You know, was it impressive enough to get into the UFC? And I think it's actually harder to get into the UFC now than it has been in a long time because, um, you know, they're kind of cutting cutting costs, cutting down the roster, and lots of people are getting cut. So, um, you know, I think he might need a finisher too. I think he's good enough to be in the UFC now, to be honest. Um, and and he, I think he'd do fairly well there. Uh, but yeah, he whatever way it goes, I don't think he's he's that far away from it. Um, Brian Moore as well. Had a good win, come second good. in a row after a comeback, um, and Sean Tobin as well. I, I think Brian. I think something has clicked with Brian Moore. Do you, do you think so as well? He, yeah, you know, no, he looks was, a different fighter to me in the, the bits I've seen of him. I think everything is just different about him. To be honest, he's he seems to have got his head around. Like he would have been fighting a big battle in his head in terms of even making 135 pounds. He seems very comfortable, very healthy, very happy at 145, enjoying his training again. Uh, it was his daughter's first birthday the other day. Uh, his gym's going well, and he's able to be back up training in SBG. I think once you have got a good surrounding like that and good bit of momentum, then things will take off. I'd expect to see Brian Moore put a couple of good solid wins together this year as well. Yeah. Who's who's the first call sheet in the UFC going to be? First, Oh, that's a good one, actually. First bogger in the UFC, yeah. Peter Queeley or Brian Moore. I think Peter Queeley's getting there. I think he's... A uh, yes, 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 representing, representing country folk. <laughs> Cunt what? Um, what about what about Sean Tobin? Limerick man got another win again. Uh, Get him in you there. just want to talk about Limerick, isn't it? Yeah, I just yeah. want to I just have him give him a shout out because he's from Limerick. Uh, a lovely finish. He was a little bit annoyed that he didn't finish with his signature uh, north south. Apparently, he's, he hits that quite a lot. Um, you can see the influence from his head coach, Mark. Is it Mark Schultz? I think I may have got that uh, yeah, wrong. Uh, no, Schultz, not definitely. Schultz, Somebody Schultz. It? Yeah, yeah. Ryan? Ryan Schultz, perhaps. Oh, it's annoying okay. me so much. Either way, you see the improvements in Sean Tobin's game. I was a little bit worried, question marks. I didn't know what his uh, training was going to be like because he's opened his own gym and then Kieran O'Brien and stuff still have their gym. It's called Samson Martial Arts. Uh, maybe the guys are still training together. I don't know. I haven't asked. I haven't found out. But... Um, the slight questions over Sean, especially when he looks so bad making weight, um, it was uh, pretty rectified. So no worries there. Yeah. I need to ask you though: Are we going to discuss this weekend, or is that being saved for the video podcast? Oh, we'll we'll discuss it a little bit, and and we'll do it further in the podcast, um, or on the video podcast. Just the last thing on Bama. Uh, uh, John Phillips got a good win in the, in the main event today. John Cameron was calling for him to get in the UFC. And did you see the uh, interview with him? There's a funny I bit. Did. In it. I did. I did. I see it. I think I did. What I, was the funny it was bit only again? posted this morning. Oh, I didn't see it. So no, no. Um, he was talking about how he was annoyed that Czech Kone had an Irish flag and he was going to rip it off him. Oh, it was and Ivory I Coast. Told him it was an Ivory Coast flag. <laughs> That's gas. Um, but like uh, that man touches you and people go to sleep. Yeah, that was a was. phenomenal performance. He, I was trying to. He, he's like a middleweight version of Roy Nelson, to be honest, Sean. But he's a good, active competitor and athlete. If that yeah. makes, that's probably a fair enough. Yeah, good fighter. He is as as Farasa Habi would say. He is the uh, 
the touch of death in his hands. Oh yes. As someone else says, but uh, what about uh, what about your boy taking a taking a heavy loss, to Tom Duncan? Uh, to be honest, I for I'd uh, I'd rather not go into it as much in detail. Yeah. I just look at the fight from a point of view that he um fought pretty much the exact fight that you'd need to fight to try and beat Dukanwa. But Dukanwa has improved massively in his game, in particular what he's been working on with uh, Winkle John and Gibson, is that when he has someone up against the cage, he now has a little bit more of a fine-tuned killer instinct. That he was he was always okay when someone set the pace, when he was allowed to set the pace and fight the way he wanted. But when someone tried to fight him like Brendan Lochnane fought him, I think he would have learned a lot from that fight, and that's what he improves on specifically in this camp. And his ability of cutting off the cage on Damien and keeping Damien in against the cage was phenomenal. The flurry that finished him, the left hook that put Damien up against the cage was so well-timed, uh, hit right in the money. And then the finish, again, highlight real finish for him, especially when he's gaining momentum towards the UFC, is exactly what he needs. Yeah, I, I think it was a little bit of going back to what he was good at as well before. I think that Lucknan fight... You know, he was too big for Dukeman. You could see it clearly at the time. Like they looked three weight classes apart, and I think um, he, you know, he was trying to be a little bit more refined. He kind of had to be maybe in that fight, and I think it was a little bit more um, more of an even fight against against Damien Rooney. Fair play to Damien Rooney as well. He came out like and he, you know, a lot of balls to fight Tom Dukeman the way he fought him. Like because that's that's a dangerous guy right there, and uh, you know, I'll credit him for that. But yeah, Dukeman is going to be, you know. He's only out of the UFC for as long as he wants to be out of the UFC. Whenever he decides to to fight there, he's going to be there straight away. Um, and he's gonna you know, he's gonna cause trouble for a few people in that bantamweight division. He's very good. So you claim? Yeah, I shan't so it. You claim? And how's your highest Gracie uh, uh, avatar it's getting It's going well. Going yeah. very well. I like it. It brings out my eyes. Yeah, you can. I look. I'm going to be fair to you now. You can take it down. You can take it down on Wednesday because it's fight week and stuff. You have to remain serious. You have to remain, you know, you have to remain. Um, so I can just replace it with my wolfhound design. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The inverted can, interviewer. Yeah. yeah, okay. And on Wednesday, you can take it down. So I'm going to be nice, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, this weekend's fight. Come here. Connor. Are we, gonna, we may have to hold something off for the video, either discussion yeah. or questions. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll kick Pizzi off later on and the questions can be on the video podcast later on. Or actually, Sean, I'm after realizing it's uh, it's actually an hour later than I think it is in real oh. life at the minute. I read my uh, my clock these, wrong. Do you know that I'm one of those people that read 24 hour clocks wrong sometimes and thinks, oh yeah, yeah, Patrick is quite embarrassing. He isn't too. Yeah. So we we'll, okay. We're we're going to talk. We're going to do an in depth breakdown of this with PT there later on. The video will be posted. It'll actually be posted probably before this. Before so the podcast. So you're going to be heard to this in reverse. Yeah, so we'll just talk about the actual fight for a bit. I, what I want to ask you is, how do you think this fight will start? From the very start, what do you think is going to happen? I want to throw this out there to let it be known. Someone in my gym has put €100 Euro on Nate Diaz to win by submission in the second yeah. round. Well, in the second round, that's a bit... Uh, and it's 23 uh, to 1. If you woke up Sunday morning... Missed the fight and someone told you Diaz subbed him. Is that a universe you could see yourself living in? Uh, you know, if someone said if, Diaz if you, subbed if, him? If you fell asleep and someone woke you up and said Diaz just tapped McGregor, yeah. would you be like, oh my God, this definitely didn't happen. It's a dream. Well, I've written my big breakdown already. Oh, so you can't it, even it'll be a out. spoiler. No, I can because it'll probably be out this edge. 
I can see that happening, yeah. And I said to Graham the other day that if McGregor doesn't knock him out, I think the second most likely option is Diaz of him. Like, people are talking about this fight being a mismatch. This fight's not a mismatch. Nate Diaz is a very good fighter. Like, if Nate Diaz gets double overhooks, which he loves to do, and gets McGregor against the fence and throws him, which is, you know, that's going to be tough. But if he can do that, and if he gets him on the ground, I think that fight could be over. Or double overhook, jump close guard. Yeah, you know, trip, get, or even, you know, get a get a, get a judo throw on him, you know, something like that. Get McGregor on the ground. Nate Diaz is a whiz on the ground. Like, he, he, look what he did to, to Jim Miller, choking him out. He's won by armbar, won by, by triangle. His sweeps are unbelievable on the ground. He's very, very good on the ground. Like, this is not an easy fight for Conor McGregor. If that goes to the ground, if McGregor doesn't, you know, if McGregor can't, you know, keep away from him, if he can't keep it on the feet... I, you know, I could see that happening. I like, I don't think that'll happen personally, but I could definitely see it happening. Do you? Or in, do you think world, crazy? Oh, don't get me wrong. Um, I may be criticised, but I think Nate Diaz poses much more of a jiu-jitsu threat to Conor McGregor than Rafael Desanos would ever do. Uh, yeah, in I terms of finishing my submissions, a, I agree. Desanos is a world champ. IBJJF in the gi, a purple belt, I think it is, but Nate Diaz has just some of the most aesthetically pleasing jiu-jitsu in the UFC. The Diaz brothers in general just have such nice uh, jiu-jitsu. And it's not even that they've got jiu-jitsu that I would like. They've got aesthetically pleasing jiu-jitsu for MMA. You mentioned yeah. sweeps, butterfly sweeps, uh, one overhook, opposite butterfly sort of thing. Diaz brothers all day, using the overhook to come back into closed guard and set up triangles and arm bars. Yes, this poses a completely different question for Conor McGregor. However, Nate Diaz will not execute any sort of game plan that would render him in the position to be able to beat Conor McGregor by tapping him. Do you not think so? I think, I think Nate Diaz will come out and will want to fight with Conor, will want to stand with Conor, will want to trade with Conor, and that could be where, where it's a bad night for him. Do you think that he's looking at this like this is for all or then again am I talking complete shit because all of this money is on the line for Nate Diaz what motivates Nate Diaz more than fighting and that's money <laughs> do you know he yeah. would maybe he's, he was taking the piss in all those other fights when he's just like getting drawn into stand up wars because it's for so little money he's just like fuck this and then fights this, that, is, this actually... is for this is for all the chips this is yeah. for to be the guy to beat Conor McGregor. The greatest featherweight ever couldn't beat Conor McGregor. He was knocked out in, in 13 seconds by him. Do you know what I mean? This is a massive opportunity. Every fight Conor McGregor fights, as long as he remains undefeated in the UFC, is a bigger risk because each fighter sees it as a bigger opportunity. This is yeah. how great it is. Do you know what I mean? And if Conor keeps winning, keeps putting people away, then undoubtedly... Before 2016 is out, in fact, before UFC 200 is done, before the press conference is done, people will probably be calling Conor McGregor one of the pound-for-pound greatest fighters in the world. I think it's a common misconception. I had it myself that Diaz gets drawn into wars like that. He he draws lads into wars. He he isn't the one that gets drawn into it. And you know he he clinches up an awful lot more than I remembered from you know just like I think Nick Diaz. He's a guy that, you know, he'll fight with you on the feet. And he will do that for huge parts of the fight, definitely. But he has no problem. As I said, that does double overhooks. He loves getting them. And it's not a position you see that, you know, normally in a, in a MMA. People love to get underhooks and keep guys against the fence. But he'll get the overhooks. And he'll, he won't keep you there for long. But he'll get in the knees. He'll set up uh, throws with it from there. But the thing about it is, 
you know, that's where he gets his takedowns from and, and where he does some damage there. McGregor is very good with his back against the fence. You saw he's knocked guys out like that. You saw against Diego Brando. I know none of those guys are as good as Nate Diaz or anything, but he's good there. What, where McGregor has struggled in the past is against Mendez, and we know all the factors around that fight. He, but all those takedowns happened kind of in the middle of the cage when Mendez turned the corner. Nate Diaz is not going to do that to him. So, you know, that it's going to be very tough for Nate Diaz to get the, the fight to the ground. Um, but if he does, he has... He has um, a chance to win but I think this fight is going to be the fight is sold on the fact that it's Conor versus Nate as opposed to this could actually be if the UFC had a run at this they'd be promoting Diaz's Jiu Jitsu they'd be promoting that he's the most dangerous fighter to ever fight Conor and stuff like that they would be going on that angle hard luckily enough you've got two characters that are able to sell the fight themselves on 14 days notice yeah, I, I think it's is you know it's a tough fight as well. You know, Aldo's a better fighter than him, and Mindez is a better fighter than him. But I think he's very dangerous, especially at 170 pounds. Like Diaz has fought at 170 pounds. Diaz fought Rory McDonald at 170 pounds. So he's no mug. He knows, you know, he knows what's going on at that weight class. Um, I think the fight, and you know, I've thought this for since the fight was announced when I was looking at both fighters. I think, you know, a lot of people say McGregor's kicks are kind of just for show to set everything else up. I've never thought that, and I think this is the fight that proves it, Poss- you know, possibly. There's a sweet chin music prediction coming from Sean Sheehan here, folks. Hook kick. I, I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he knocked him out a hook kick or something like that. Diaz has only been taken out once ever, but I, Diaz, in his fight, look at that Josh Thompson fight uh, against Cerrone as well, got hit with head kicks and hurt badly with head kicks from both of them. He obviously went on to win the Cerrone fight because he, you know, he dominated, he survived. The Josh Thompson one knocked him down and he knocked him out afterwards. And I don't think I don't think anyone would agree that those guys kick better than McGregor. I think McGregor's a lot better of a kicker than both of them. So if he can get you know if he can get Diaz coming in and land those kicks, I think that's that's a way for him to win the fight. But you know what, this is is it McGregor's, mental warfare, uh, Sean? Does I don't he see so. the same thing? Is that why he's only posting videos of him striking a heavy bag or striking with fists? Not Remember a lot that? of kicks being thrown by Conor McGregor on his social media channels these days. Remember that video he posted of uh, himself and Gunnar Nelson where he was like changing stances and throwing high kicks? Yeah. From a while back. Josh Thompson did that exact same thing when he knocked out, when he hurt Nate Diaz with the kick. He kept changing stances. And like McGregor will have gone back and watched that. He'll know, and he'll know that's, that Diaz is susceptible to taking high kicks like that. But, Diaz, you know, the Diaz brothers, when they get in fights like this, tough fights, they always come out very, very. Uh, defensively is the wrong word, but. They go forward, but they have their high guard, and you know they're not going to get hit that much because they, you know, you know they're they're not getting hit. You saw him in that video, even you know that funny one that's going around. He said someone asked him what's his game plan. He goes, "Going to go out and throw, you know, throw punches, not get hit too much." And like, okay, that might sound like a small thing, but he, that's what he's thinking. He doesn't want to take damage. He knows, you know, the Diaz brothers are not stupid. Like they're they know fighting, and you know he's not going to go out there and put they his chin out. I don't. <laughs> I don't think he's uh, he's gonna go out there and get in. Want to get into a war with Conor McGregor? But uh, I'm really looking forward to this fight. Obviously, Diaz coming in short notice and stuff is is a bit of a bummer. We don't know how it's gonna look, you know. But uh, I, uh, you know, I think don't underestimate this fight. I think it's going to be a very good fight. Will you run down to Mary Diaz's house there? Will you? Who <laughs> oh, oh, is she alongside Spangs? She is. Yeah, she's next door. The uh, neighbors. Next, next door to Spangs. Two hundred nine, County Clare. How do you think? I, I read a thing this morning from Richard yeah. Perez, his the Nate Diaz's boxing coach, 
who started saying Connor's on steroids, Nate's going to tune oh, yeah. him up, Nate's going to beat him. Now, this guy has, like, for me, that's a guy who wants to put himself out there just making ridiculous claims, like trying to back up what the Diaz's were saying, because he had a fairly high-profile falling out with Nick. He doesn't work with Nick anymore. I'd say he's trying to do as many things to keep the Diaz brothers happy in a media PR sense of view, being like, yeah, that guy's definitely on steroids. Like, yeah, 209. It's like, even though Nate has completely, like, I don't know, but leading up to the Silva fight, I know he wasn't working with him. They fell out. He wasn't in his corner. A lot of different things. And uh, Nate and Nick, I think, both even have different lawyers at the minute. Um, different people that represent them or different managers. So I wouldn't put too much stock into those quotes because I know a lot of people saw them floating around online this morning. Um, also, I think it's... Sorry, I think it's finally... I think it's fairly obvious that... People saying stuff like McGregor's on steroids, it's like, do they just want to talk about him? They, he has they, just they said they that as a Troy or a Mark. No, but like, if, people are, if, people are, um, if people are talking, like trying to look into it a bit more, first, they're the same people that said Connor looked like absolute death on the scales every time at 145. And now that he's actually like, he's not on any sort of diet, on any sort of restriction, it's f- like Connor is that size normally. Like, do you know what I mean? If Connor's able to eat properly and not eat like a guy trying to cut down to 145 pounds combined with all of his training of course he's going to look that size cop yourselves on yeah how do you think it's going to end i do think this is the one time we could see conor mcgregor beaten for a couple of reasons that it's 170 pounds that it's his first time up there that nate poses a different threat as uh as some of his previous opponents definitely a more viable threat but at the end of the day, I still see Connor winning, and I still see Connor being maybe the first guy to finish Nate Diaz clean. They have taken a lot of uh, a lot of punishment over their careers. They've had long careers. There's videos of Nate Diaz fighting a grown man, age 16, in a gym in a gym fight with no gloves. How many more of those were, have taken place? How many times have the, the chin been rattled? Like Different things like that that I definitely think play into effect here. At the end of the day, Connor's a finisher. He's a chin. He seeks the chin. He's a chin clipper, whatever other abbreviations you want to call him. Look at the video that he put up the other day of him hitting that uh, the karate dummy. Every single shot. Oh, by the way, how funny was Ido Portal's coaching in that video? Um, I actually just saw it, but on Facebook, so I didn't hear the thing. But okay, what? Turn the volume on. Yeah. Why? What did he say? No, it's like he, it's like he's shouting like some striking suggestions in it. I think I don't. I don't yeah. know. Maybe he Great was just man. told to say that for the video, or told like gives. It does sound like generally positive reinforcement. Like, but I can just imagine some people like watching that and smirking like. <laughs> same way the internet like tore apart Ronda Rousey's gifts of her striking to shreds like. Well, speaking of Ronda Rousey and the Phantomweight division, Holly Holm on that, versus Nisha Tate. Oh, yeah, your prediction. I but think Connor will stop Nate Diaz within yeah. the first three rounds. And I yeah. think it could be a one-shot, take-a-knee, and this clinical ground-and-pound finish that I think... Don't be surprised if Connor's next few fights, that's what he gets known for. The absolute precision coffin-nail shots on the ground. The shots, the left to put them down, the right to finish it off. That's what I think. I think it'd be a hook kick. There you go. Would that be the greatest call ever if he actually did finish him with a hook kick? Yeah, I'll, I'll praise you for that. Praise mm-hmm. Odin and you. 
Crazy Orton and me. Right. I'll, uh, I'll obviously, we'll speak about that more. At the press conference. If he knocks him out with a hook kick, I will say, Connor, Sean Sheehan predicted during the week you were going to finish him with a hook kick. Was that the shot you had picked leading up to this fight? Or yeah. was it just it presented itself tonight? Will you refer to me as the best analyst in the game as well after in, in the post fight show or whatever? Uh, maybe. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <coughs> right. Um, home versus state. Uh, I, you know, this is a little bit like uh, the main event in that uh, Tate home will obviously home is a striker and, and, and Tate will strike with her but will probably want to get it to the ground to win you know she's more of a wrestler than a jiu-jitsu artist than, than Nate Diaz but um, you know expect the same from home as she did against Rousey but with a little bit more caution I think she knew against Rousey that Rousey was going to be rushing in and that she had to counter her but against Tate Tate's going to you know Tate's going to rush in at the start but she, as she always does but I think she's going to you know she's going to slow a little bit as, as the fight goes on um, I, I think you see a lot of this is not I don't think it's going to be the greatest fight in the world but you're going to see a lot of lateral movement from home a lot of good footwork a lot of her from really far outside range staying away from Tate as much as she can trying to stop Tate from getting inside but Tate is actually very very good at getting inside so you, I could see her you know, getting inside landing a big over right, getting, uh, overhand right getting a takedown putting home on her back um, and, and making it a bit of a dogfight I, I think this will probably go this, all five rounds yeah I was going to yeah. say that I can see it's it being a decision, decision. Yeah. barring a home knockout but I do think that Misha Tate can win this fight but it's, does she have the absolute, she needs to have the fight of her life. You know, she needs to have her se- better than her second performance against Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I, she I definitely agree. She needs this yeah. to beat Holly Holm. And not wanting to put a shadow over it, do you think it would be fair to say if Tate wins, Rousey's back in straight away? Because she'd see that as an easier fight? Or do you think yeah. she'll take the time off required? Well, I think both, really. I think she's going to be back at the end of the year, and I don't, you know. Although, yeah, the UFC 200. Because I saw Maybe. an interview, on it popped up on Facebook, that uh, with an Australian news station, that Ronda Rousey was asked, or her publicist told them, if you ask a question about fighting, she's walking yeah. out of this interview. And it, it was an interview that. that they then, in their package, included that. They were like, well, we were told not to ask about fighting, blah, 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 just so you know. So you have to wonder still, is Ronda's head focused on fighting? I don't want to see Misha win and her think, oh, yeah, I can beat her, get back in there, and then maybe lose to Misha. Yeah, I don't know. I think Ronda will be out in November, December, if she ever fights again. But, um, yeah, they'd probably want to get Holly back in there. I think the best-case scenario for the UFC is probably like a very close decision so they can maybe take winning so they can have the rematch of that. Have a rematch, and then have, exactly. Yeah. There is no, like, no. there's no one ready to set that division alight. No. Publicity-wise, maybe. Amanda Nunez is good, but, you know, as you say, yeah, there's, there's no one really else there at, at the moment, but... Yeah, she'll find someone anyway, I'm sure. So, prediction? Prediction, uh, home decision. Four rounds to one. Four rounds to one. Mm-hmm. Misha Tate yeah. with strikes from Mount. Nice, I like it. I could see that happening, like, in fairness. I could see Tate winning. 
you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. But, uh, you know, I think uh, home is kind of just coming into herself now as an MMA fighter. And, that, you know, you can't you can't fuck with that Rousey display. That was pretty uh, unbelievable. We get into some questions. We can, surely. Let me just I have one here oh, while you're looking them up. Yeah, some uh-huh. from from Facebook.com forum slash Sean Sheehan MMA. Oh, my God, Fer- already. Fergal uh, McGorman asks, I don't think uh, Bisping won. Is there any top five in the division that he has a realistic chance against? So here's the top five in the division. Um, Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman, um, Jacare Souza, Vitor Belfort, Dior Machida. Say that I, again. Rockhold, Weidman, Jacare, Belfort, Machida. I think, I think he could beat Belfort and Machida. I, yeah, that, that's about it. Because Machida's suffering the same... Yeah, he's gone the same way as Bisping, yeah. Tim Kennedy's there, number six. Tim Super Kennedy weird. probably wants him. Yeah. Tim Kennedy already beat him, yeah. But yeah. Well, Middleweight has kind of been a shit show for years because Anderson Silva kind of... Anderson Silva versus Tim division. Kennedy, actually. That's what we want. Yeah, but uh, I think that ends badly for Anderson Silva, unfortunately. Um, at this stage, but yes, it's in a huge transition. Transition now, middleweight division is. It's not you know middleweight has been a very bad division for years with a couple of great fighters at the top of it. But like, look at look at the bottom of the division now. Like, bottom of the top fifteen: Musasi, Lettuce, Hall, Brunson, Natal, Henderson, Carnero. That's not great. Like, that's that's not very good. Like, how the fuck is Rafael Natal is in the top fifteen division? Like. Jesus, that's that's pretty bad, it's right? Another one, scraping the barrel indeed. Um, a lot of questions. One, Mister Podge. Oh, it seems to be our first question. First question yeah. of the week: Has Frankie Edgar fallen down the pecking order after turning down the fight, injury or no injury? Dana seemed to. Dana was asked about it in the aerial interview. And Dana still kind of got in his defensive, like, no matter what, we offered you the fight and you turned it down. I was like, I disagree with that. He was injured. They knew he was injured. And then saying that they, oh, they sent us over some MRI even though they didn't have to. And it was like, well, yeah, they do kind of have to, to show you that he's injured. If it was any other, if it was a fighter trying to pull out of a fight, the UFC would want their doctors to look at it. So the fact that they sent it over an MRI is confirming that he's injured. Um, I think we're going to maybe get some light shed on it tonight because Frankie's going to be on the MMA hour with Ariel so um, I don't know I think he may have fallen down the pecking order but he will be the first guy to fight for the 145 pound title when Conor vacates it yeah I, I think um, look fair enough Frankie couldn't take the fight because he's injured and stuff but I think then you can't come out on social media and start calling out McGregor like saying you know if you have to turn down the fight for any reason whether it's injury or whatever keep your mouth like, shut and don't just, let your manager that. on your Twitter page yeah. like. and, I, and I don't as I said I was talking to Dwayne Finney about it on, on Twitter I don't blame Frank Edgar it's Ali like he's the one he posting on, on Rafael Dos Anjos' page as well making his fighters look like fucking idiots like what the fuck is he doing I don't know how he gets so many good fighters he's a great stable of fighters but he's just, you know, if I if I was his fighter, he'd be gone straight up the fucking door anyway. He's he's just like, you know, terrible, terrible. Farrell Connolly just wants to put this out there. No matter what happens or who wins, he just wants to see Nick throw the Stockton slap. Will it land? Oh fuck! Imagine that'll be brilliant. Because Connolly's slapping back. 
Yeah. The thing about this is, you know, I, I wrote a bit about it in my breakdown as well, that McGregor's, you know, his antics always happen outside the cage. Really. He does a little bit of it, you know, he talks to you and stuff in the cage, but Diaz uses his mental warfare inside the cage to affect the fight. Which is, you know, McGregor doesn't do that that much. You know, he's more of just a, you know, when he gets in there, he's a, you know, he's a fighter and he's, you know, he he lets his, you know, he lets his technique talk for him. But Diaz, with great technique as well, but gets guys to open up by talking to them and doing different stuff. So that should be, that should be interesting to see how it goes. A follow-up question, I suppose, yeah. from Marco Curran, Currens and Raisins, who actually has one of the best uh, Twitter bios of all time. Runs regressions and goes on sessions. Nice. Question for the podcast. Who will do more antagonistic hand gestures during the fight, McGregor or Diaz? Diaz. Without a doubt. (laughs) It's going to be quite funny. Jesus, I can't wait for this fight. Fuck. Um, Brilliant. Steve Expat. Most MMA media on Twitter are more condescendingly snarky than bitter lore league football fans on fight nights. Do you think the likes of fighters such as Bisbing and Pendred, who give their everything, deserve a bit more respect from them? Yeah, but I'm guilty of it but myself. You're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, no, I think I'm genuinely, uh, generally pretty respectful. But you know, there's always, you know, there's always going to make a joke. Like I always make a joke about fucking Takanori Sato holding on to single leg and stuff. So, you know, we're all guilty of it a little bit, but. Uh, you know, I think if, as long as it's, if it's as long as it's in kind of good spirits and as long as it's not, you know, you're not tweeting at someone that you're shit like. Yeah, or, at <laughs> yeah. yeah, at Carl Binder, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You know, but um, I don't know. <laughs> I agree with him. I agree with him definitely. As long as it's not taken too far, though, I think it's not too bad. Gregory Freeman would like to know: Is there any chance that Diaz is going to be able to pass an in-competition drug test for marijuana? As the expert, Sean. Me, you? Yeah, go on. No, take it away. Uh, He had 11 days and... I think, yeah, like, don't get me wrong, Nate Diaz looks smoked in that interview with Conor McGregor. But I think with their... Allegedly. Allegedly. uh, With their... um, With the new exceptions and with the new rules, someone told me that you can take it, like, up to a week before the fight. And yeah. it'll be gone out of your system. Yeah, I suppose see, it depends not... on how often you take it and how regularly you take yeah. it. I've just, I'm just going off facts on Google here, Sean. Here, it, it doesn't have to be gone out of your system. You just have to have Under less limit. than limit. Yeah. It's huge and else you should be all right. Hopefully. Yeah. Assuming he doesn't do it like the day of the fight. Which he could. <laughs> Which he could. <laughs> wash in the river. Banned now from asking questions from now on. Why do adults still watch WWE? Because it's great fun. Yeah. Can we stuff. not have fun? Yeah. I like. Why do adults watch Carnation yes, Street? Yes. 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 If you smell what the rock is cooking. Anyway, Jim Dahl would like to know any fear that without needing a full weight cut, a fighter misses out on a key habit that concentrates the mind pre-fight. What? Any fear that without needing to cut weight, yeah. you know, you hear about fighters oh, yeah, I get in their know, mind. Yeah. Okay, That's yeah. a very good question. That's a good question, Is yeah. Is a fighter missing out on a... Ri- like, I know Connor will say it's a ritual. He doesn't believe in rituals, all of that sort of things. He doesn't have a lucky pair of anything. But, yeah. you know, That's actually a very good it's question, part yeah. of the grind of the week before you lead up to a fight. 
How? But then again, I can only assume it's not going to affect them in the slightest because they're going to be able to be healthy walking into the fight, yeah. you know, it, and not have their mind dragged through the depths of a weight cut yeah. to then have to go and fight the next night. I remember against, um, it was against Aldo and where he was real serene that week, and, you know, he was real quiet and all. You know, do you reckon that because he was cutting away? Maybe he won't be like maybe. that this week. And, you know, that kind of helped him in the fight. I think you could see more fireworks from Conor McGregor this week. Yeah. You could see more like right than left. Like that back and forth that Diaz at the press conference when they just pretty much started fucking each other out of it was brilliant. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck. I don't, gi- I don't give a fuck. I don't care. You don't if, give you a- don't, <laughs> if you don't give a fuck, I don't, you give, don't a give a fuck. fuck. What are you talking about? I don't give a fuck. That was Tommy the best. To- oh, did you watch Tommy <laughs> Tall? You, you love it. Obviously no, seriously. <laughs> It was fucking hilarious. He's like, fuck you, I don't give a fucking fuck. Uh, the people oh. who don't like us swearing are not going to like that last... Yeah, uh, sorry topic. about that, actually. Um, and the reason that I brought uh, brought this steroid thing up is because Keith Fleming asked in a question, what did you think of Diaz's trainer saying Connor is definitely on steroids? He also likes our new secretary. Did you see that on Twitter? I did, yeah, the did, dog. Yeah, I always get shocked. When I see tweets, it's like, who the fuck tweet? Oh, no, oh Andrew. Oh, Andrew is the code as well. I forgot <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Ah. Um, Tygo Donovan kind of links into Brian McLaughlin's question and also someone else that asked about Dylan Took, John Harker. Best Irish prospect in MMA, who are the top five under 23 years old? If we just say, do we think... Dylan Took is the best prospect at the moment in Irish MMA or him and James Gallagher neck and neck? I think he is. But James Gallagher is very... I think him, James Gallagher and... Um, Reese. Reese McKee are the three that are neck and neck. The whole Trinity. Yeah. I agree with that. He also says, do you think McGregor should come out to My Lovely Horse in honour of Frank Kelly? Uh, not legend. Yeah. What a man! One of the the thing that Pendred put up on Facebook yesterday about the Chinese guy coming to Ireland. Yeah, that was brilliant. I've never scene. seen that before. You've uh, never seen that before? No. What was that in? It was in some film, but I've seen that yeah. clip for years. Like I've never I've seen never the film, seen but I've seen the seen the clip a lot. Um, National treasure that man was. I would agree that. Agree with that. I'm just trying to look through a lot of stuff that we's. Uh, here we go. Ronan one Duffy. Thoughts on Reds are signing for Bama. We never really touched on it. We kind of went off on Cage Warriors not putting on shows after saying they would. Thought he would have been a cert for Cage Warriors. What do you make of it, Sean? You know, I think it's a good thing. It's a multiple fight contract, isn't it? Um, he's going to get a lot. You know, there's plenty of lads there for him to fight. That that Paddy Pimblet fight. Paddy Pimblet, get him signed up to Bama as well. Have him fight there. I want, I want that fight all the time. Yeah. But, um, Sean, once this fight happens, we, here's the kicker. I have nothing to talk about. Would you travel? Travel where? To Dublin? To watch that fight. I, I, yeah, I'd probably go to the next time Sean Dublin, all right. There you go. Probably. Maybe. Missed, I, was, I wish I was there on Saturday. I was like, ah, oh, I wish I'd gone. Um, but, uh, fucking UFC in the same night. Balls. Stan Kavanagh wants to know, why don't the UFC have a digital weighing scales like boxing? Better for fans to see exact weight, don't you think? Mm. Someone was talking yeah, about this. Yeah. Did, did the Frampton Quig thing have like a big thing that like went up like a yeah. counter? Yeah, boxing like, always has that. Like a boxing machine? Like a high score machine? Yeah, exactly. Unreal. Um, well, the reason they don't have digital weighing scales is because Miles Mar- Price and Mario Sahid might get in a fight and pull the fucking plug out of it and <laughs> delay the weigh-ins for, 15 min- for 10 minutes. That happened the last but time But that's well. none of my biz. <laughs> uh, no, uh, actually, shout-outs there, Sean. Jude Samuel. Bit of a legend. Yeah. Bit of a fan of the podcast. 
He said, sure. please don't rip into me over them scales on your podcast this week. Said, Dude, where are the backup ones? It's like they're in a van up the road. Apparently, the uh, the other scales are more um, accurate as well. Yeah, as far as I know. Also, yeah. they should be on like, the UFC always have it on like a big, I don't know if it's concrete, is it? It's a big, big stage anyway. I'd say it's as secure as possible. I would you say the uh, the electric scales are to rings as the normal scales are to octagons? Yes and no, because I know how good digital scales can be. Cages are just shit. Oh. Rings are just shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, last two questions. Big Dick Bandit, Goat McGregor, Angel. enemy of the podcast. Hero. Is Silva a dirty fighter? That was well out of order in my opinion. The knee, I presume he's talking about, is it? The what? The dick kick. Is it the knee he's talking about? Or the dick kick? I think he's talking about the knee. I assume so. But I actually read that as dirty as in steroids, as in throughout his whole oh. career. Because Bisbing made light of that at the, the press conference, at the weigh-in. All the needles in your arse won't help you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. See? I'll talk about my one, you talk about your one. Go I on. think a fighter gets popped so close at the end of his career, you have to say you think that he wasn't doing this all up to this point. Do you think you've gone that far? Who was it? Someone said it during the week. Do you think you go that far in your career and think, yeah, I'll try this now and potentially tarnish my legacy? No, you don't. I but disagree. That's just my business. That's just my thoughts on it. He had a broken leg, though. Yeah. Would you not say, oh, fuck, I'm not yeah, the same after my broken leg? leg. I'll so try, fair yeah. enough to him that he may have used something out of competition to recover quicker. Yeah. Maybe it became a mental thing and he stayed on it during his camp. Yeah, but, but that doesn't mean he's been on it his whole life, his whole career. I'm just throwing out, I'm playing devil's advocate to my own point. I still, yeah. I don't buy that as an excuse. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, I don't know which is true, obviously, as no one does. But I don't think it's okay to speculate. No, I'm not going to say Anderson Silva was on for his whole career. I'm not going to say he was not on it for his whole career. I simply don't know. And you know, you can't, you know, you can't call someone out and say when you don't know. You're just fucking making a call, and I think that's you know, in, with something like that, it's it's not good. And it's can, not proper. It was, I think it was Bisbing who said it in the interview with Ariel. And to be fair, I see where you're coming from, but va- it was a valid point raised by Michael Bisbing, nonetheless. Yeah. Fair enough. And on the kick, I don't think the kick was dirty. I think he was dead right to do it. <laughs> Finally, uh, AJK Dublin, friend of the podcast, Alan would like to know, turns out there is big WWE news. Rumours going around that Finn Balor is going to be on Raw tonight. Oh, really? Yeah. The man from your own part of the, the world. What? Um, Bray. He's from... Maybe. I don't know. No, he's I from always Bray. Get... Is I'm he? from there, yeah. I thought he was from, uh, where are you from again? Drogheda? No, what's Dundalk. the best? Dundalk, yeah. I always get Bray, Dundalk and Drogheda mixed up. They're all the, yeah, they're all near Dublin. What do you think of Finn? you a fan? I'll, yeah, I'm a fan. I've never really seen much NXT or anything, but I've seen him wrestle a couple of times and I'm a fan. I like him. And he, he seems is... to be less of a dickhead than Seamus, so that's good. He is... Do you know that you talk about Conor McGregor being loyal? Yeah. He is the exact same. He's cut from the same cloth. Go on to his Instagram whenever you, see, whenever you get a chance. He's very friendly with a lot of the guys from East Coast Jiu-Jitsu Academy and he would have trained with a lot of them in a strength and conditioning gym. He always goes back to the same barber in Dublin. He always goes back to his gym. It's a guy called Alan Cherry. He owns uh, CSP Gym 
and he always comes back to all of these people. He gives them shout-outs. He, you know, pushes their stuff on Instagram. Loads of different stuff like that. He's a genuine... He seems to be a very, very genuine person. He also did a brilliant interview with the guys on uh, What's the Story podcast, uh, Graham Merrigan and those guys, because he grew... Uh, I think he may have grew up with them or grew up in the same area or just knew them through, again, those contacts. And he, when he was home over Christmas, he did a podcast with them. So... He seems to be a sound lad. Hope all yeah. the best from him and Triple H. Nice wee couple. Yeah, definitely. Can I give a, a final WWE style prediction? Do. You know the way Shane McMahon came back? Yes, best Triple ever. Triple H and Stephanie are going to have, I think, a falling out. And Stephanie <gasps> will side with Vince. Shane will sign with Triple H. And we are going to recreate the invasion angle 15 years later with NXT invading the main roster. Oh, no chance. There you go. That's, what That's what's going to happen. It'd be fucking brilliant, wouldn't it? Or the three of them aligned themselves against Vince McMahon. Remember, there was an old NXT, and they, you know, when Daniel Bryan and Wade Barrett and all, and then they tried to take over all. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That's they what's been... going to happen now, but legitimately. That'd be cool. I'd mark. I'd like it. Mm, oh, jeez. I, I don't mark out... Hardly ever, but when Shane McMahon came back, I was I was actually I started screaming. Spoiler television. alert, Sean. Yeah. Seeing Shane McMahon come back give me the confidence to do something that I've wanted to do for quite a while. What's that? Put I'm wearing runners here. with my suit this week in Vegas. Nice. Fuck nice. shoes. <laughs> money, 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 money. Just money. nice little flared shirt, white shirt, suit, mm. same color shoes. Oh. Nice. You wait. Anyway, nice. are you ready for the, the video preview later on? I'm heady. I'm any, heady. Other, any other gossip we need to discuss? I suppose, if you're listening, it's Conor McGregor Fight Week. We always get a bit yeah. of a spike in the podcast. If you enjoyed it, head on over to BeanieBasher.com. A fun, affordable hand-eye coordination tool. And uh, it's only £10. It's great crack. There will be a video of me. I'm taking it to Vegas. Me and my Beanie Basher at the MGM. The Red Rock. All the different hotels. We'll, we'll take a collection of pictures. Um, but more importantly, thank you for listening. If you could... Uh, this one, Sean, won't be on YouTube because we've got our video one going on YouTube anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think from next week we're making our YouTube debut. How does yeah. that sound? Sounds good. Um, Apparently Graham's roping you into doing it, is he? What? Is Graham's roping you into doing he it, is, is he? It's fuck, he can do it. He uh, said he can't do it or something. All oh, okay. right, okay. Then I know how to do it on Final Cut Pro. I will awesome. be doing it. But the image is going to be a picture of me. So just so you're aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> Topless. Have, have no. You need to edit a li- tiny little picture of me in a very bottom the corner. Bottom you can't corner, even see yeah. it. <laughs> no, actually, with your ego, Mr. Like page, you'll be the main one and I'll be the bottom you, corner. You better add in my like page this week and to, and tell, uh, into this thing where you're telling everyone what to like and where to go. Exactly. Yeah, go on, so let's do it. We, could, uh, we can even throw it up because we have the severe MMA one as well. We can get oh, yeah. it made. Do you know the one we have for the video? What? For the video? Do you know on all of the video interviews, a little severe art Facebook oh, yeah, Twitter yeah. thing pops up? We can get that on the YouTube uh, version as well. But if you've just tuned in, if you've thought, this is great. You know, I'm expecting the spike, Sean. I'm expecting to go over 5,000 uh, Twitter followers this week. It's going to be a big week at Andrew McGann underscore at Sean Sheehan BA at Sever Emma Severe MMA on Twitter or at Pizzi Carroll. 
Dave Fogarty refuses to use Twitter even though it would be the best possible way for him to get himself a little bit of exposure due to him being a photographer. Look at Esplin yep. knocking out Holly Holm. Did you like my uh, my uh, nickname I made up from his fight nickname? What is it? Yogurty Dave Fogarty. Yogurty Dave Fogarty. That's the fucking best nickname ever. Especially he didn't even acknowledge so, it. Especially because he's so pale. Oh yeah, I didn't even... It would work yeah, for him that way I as didn't well. even realise that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, okay, that's good. Okay, we're going with Yogurty. I will, he likes Dave the Rave, Fogarty. Ah, no, Yogurty, Dave Fogarty's better. Yogurty, Dave Fogarty. I like it, I'm not going to lie. Um, so, if you've enjoyed it, as I said, please subscribe. All channels, all avenues, this podcast is available anywhere. We really appreciate your support. Uh, the podcast is moving forward tremendously. And uh, anything else I've ever got, anyone, Sean? Facebook.com forward slash Sean Chee and MMA. Typical. Are you going to start your Facebook like page? Sure, you should do it. I, I'm behind you now if you want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Since you've already <laughs> broken the fourth wall. Look, the difference, I the difference between your pages. In... You, you, already, you have loads of MMA friends on your page and stuff. And like, fighters come onto your page and stuff. So you already kind of have a thing there. Whereas my page is just people fucking kind of annoying me a little bit. Yeah. So now I have a... Your Facebook page is already kind of an MMA page. So I now have a Facebook MMA page as well. So I think I can I can dig that I can dig that. Yeah. If, what like I if would suggest doing like is page, I believe you can merge nice. all of your likes, your friends into automatic likes onto a like page. Someone oh, can told I me you can do that, that before, or maybe it's too <laughs> maybe it's a business can do it. Possibly, yeah. I think you can do it that way. But either way, um, we'll see. I'm sure over intense Hooters discussions with Peter Carroll and uh, Dave. This week we will, because let's be honest, I am fucking broke and that's the only place that I'll be eating this week is in Hooters. Um, we will discuss this. Maybe the maybe Andrew McGahn MMA will... Nah, I don't think I could put Andrew McGahn MMA. I'll make you an administrator of mine. You can just post and there can, and you can put AM at the bottom of the bottom. Why don't we have a podcast like page? Yeah, we could do that. That, can, that yeah. can guide me into the world of like pages and see okay. if I like it. You can start that up and you can make me an administrator. Okay, we'll, we'll okay. do that as, as we'll well. do that. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been an absolute honour. An hour and 53 minutes almost officially in the bank. The Severe May podcast we've got. If you haven't seen it yet, there is a video preview. Myself, Sean Sheehan and Peter Carroll break down, chat, make funny references about UFC 196. Check that out. It's also going to be, the audio will be on this podcast feed as well, so it will automatically download if you're subscribed. But until then... Are we going to be talking this time next week about the greatest achievement of an Irish mixed martial artist ever? Conor McGregor is beating his own records. Or will we be here talking about what's next for him? Until then. See you next week.